Chani. I'm at Lottie's. And you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. And I'm excited about today's show because it's going to rock. going to be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's going to be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shyhards! Welcome to episode 173 of Meet Us at Molly's. Today, we are covering this week's episodes 609, 809, no, 609, 909, and 809. There's a lot of numbers. There's a lot of numbers. You guys, <laughs> this was a rough week in one Chicago. Like, a really rough week. It really was, though. I feel attacked. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I just kind of, I ended one Chicago Wednesday feeling kind of like, I was just like that. That was that was rough. That was that a- was a lot. It was yeah. a lot. Yeah. It was a lot for sure. So, so we're just diving right in because uh, you know I, I had said it in a tweet before we started recording. It's a sixteen-page outline, so we might be here for a while again. Will we crack three hours? Will we crack three hours? Will we crack three hours? Yeah, I I'm I both love it and I'm kind of terrified that like that's become our new challenge we're like can we crack three hours i know last week after i saw last week's runtime i was like oh shit i was like we i was like when why did we go that long but it literally did not feel like that but i was like what did we have to say for two and two hours and 45 minutes like i don't know what did did we say i know that was crazy (laughs) it was crazy so we're just going to jump right in. So we're going to start off with the news. We have a good amount of news. So that's going to help with the runtime too. But yeah. let's just dive right in. So we have episode descriptions. If you don't know, the shows are off next week. They come back March 31st. So these are the episodes that will air in two weeks. Okay. Med season six, episode 10. This is called So Many Things We've Kept Buried. Crockett deals with a patient who ends up having more in common with him than he thinks. Will and Ethan clash over a pregnant patient with an irregular heartbeat. Okay. What do we think Crockett and his patient have in common? They've lost children. Yeah, that's what I think it has to do with, too. Yeah, that's usually what it is. Yeah, that would make the most sense. Um, also, Will and Ethan clashing also makes a lot of sense. It's we call med. that Wednesday. Right, it's med. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, not a ton to go off of there. No, no, no. Okay. Fire um, season nine, episode 10 is called One Crazy Shift. And I'm already not liking the sound of that because, <laughs> you know, a crazy shift. Um, it says a series of, of suspicious fires sends 51 on the search for the cause. Casey continues down a troubling path and Mouch is looking to make a lo- his long awaited dream come true. What is this troubling path Casey's heading down? It clearly has to do with his head. Clearly. Which we'll talk a lot about later, because, yeah, but, oh, yeah, yeah. I know. I don't like that this is, like, a storyline and not just a plot for one episode. My initial thought was, I mean, because we knew it was going to be based off his head injury, but my initial worry, I was like, are they going to send him down the Severide season one route where he gets addicted to painkillers? clearly not because the homeboy won't go to the fucking doctor or let's see it's got multiple names the severide season one arc the antonio season six arc yeah i mean but clearly not because he won't go to a doctor no so this whole thing could be fixed by like four words i have a headache nope yep yeah nope 
we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, I also love that apparently all of 51 is now going to become detectives. It yeah. seems like they're all so. going on the search for the cause. Mm-hmm. Love it. Cool. Um, and also, I'm sure Mouch's storyline will be great, too, because... Long-awaited dream come true. I don't know. My first thought went to, like, author, because obviously, remember, with him and Brett and stuff, that was where my first thought went, but I we already kind of explored that, so I don't know if that's true or not, you know? So, PD is... This is the head-scratcher, okay? PD is called the radical truth, and just in one line, Ready? Ruzik's father, Bob, goes missing, and the team races to find him before it's too late. Are they offing Bob Ruzik? <laughs> the one Chicago dads cannot have nice things. The, the dads on PD do not have a good rate of survival. Yeah, literal. I feel very confident saying that this is going to end in Bob Ruzik's death. Yep. Yep. It's, but. Because what? We've got Benny Severide, Cornelius Pat, Rhodes, Pat Halstead. Um, is that just the three? But still, it was in one season, which was just like egregious. Yeah. And Bob got shot that season, but he lived. Yeah. I think it is it. Uh, yeah, so now that we've got a new crop of dads in, in Bob and Haley's dad that we've seen from afar. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, not good. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Not good. But, like, it's gonna, poor Adam is just gonna just, like, unravel. Why can't we go back to, like, the Disco Bob days? I like, know. I'd rather, like, do that than kill off Disco Bob. I know. I know. Man. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad. Really bad. (sighs) Anyway. Uh, We had an article from TV Line with LaRoyce um, just talking about, you know, the the current issues in policing and how much he's loving, you know, portraying a black cop in these times. The main soundbite from this LaRoyce one that just, like, made us kind of bash our heads into a wall there was a line at the end of this article. The interview asked him about a possible romance between Burgess and Atwater? Yeah, I, I still can't believe that that was actually a thing that was in uh, I, yeah. They're like Lucas and Haley. Like, you just don't go there. It's weird. Yeah, I still can't believe they went there. I know. That. It's, like, as soon as I saw that, because I saw the part of it going around on Twitter first before I actually read the article, and I was like, what is this talking about? I was like, that's like total, you know, just like Twitter being Twitter. And then I like read it and I was like, no, this is like from a real source. I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And LaRoyce's words were, that would be unfortunate if it happens. And that's yeah. LaRoyce putting it nicely. Yeah. Just, no, they are BFF, FFFFs. <laughs> right. There, there, have been, there have been certain romances in this franchise that I've been able to, like, stretch my brain to wrap around. I, I've been able to do it a couple of times. Birdwater, I cannot. No. 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 Literally no. would never have even... No. No. Never crossed my mind. No. Just no, 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 no. 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 And I also... It also makes me sad that now that that's out in the universe, like, I, that's that was the killer for me. Not only... not it, was, it wasn't just, like... 
Larry shooting it down, it was that, okay, well, now that's out in the universe. So that sucks. Yeah. Well, and even just the whole thing when he was talking about, like, his other, you know, past love interest with Layla, that one episode, and, like, the fact that they kind of missed the mark on Rojas last season. Like, it just made me sad. I was like, Atwater deserves love, damn it. He really does. Like, and I just feel like we're never going to get it because of the way that personal and the cases are balanced on the show already, and I just... makes me sad we use the word balanced loosely yeah no but the way they are balanced meaning you know it's like more like 80 20 (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um it just the whole thing just made me sad yeah me too me too me too so uh elsewhere taylor kenny was on jimmy fallon on wednesday night that was cool i know i tried to stay up and then i i couldn't make it I, it was good. I mean, you know, it, it was quick and it was cute. Um, the, uh, it was funny because at, at the same time that was going on, Anthony Mackie was over on Jimmy Kimmel. And, oh, really? Yeah. So I was playing like the flipping back and forth game. I was like, oh, God, like, where's Mackie? Where's Kenny? Like, uh, I, this can't overlap. It was it was crazy, but it worked out. Um, so Taylor, Taylor and Jimmy had met before. These are like just some of the highlights. They had met before yeah. because Jimmy did the polar plunge with them. Yeah, in 2016, I think they said. Crazy. Um, I, I don't know if I I, I... I say I would never do the polar plunge, but if they were like, hey, do it with the cast of the shows, I'd be like, yeah. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. All right. Maybe. I'll be Maybe. there. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there was that. There's something about he like has grilling competitions with his brothers. So Taylor's a grill master. Did not know that. Yeah. And then um, he is part owner of a restaurant and theater in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So we got a road trip once this crap is over. Yeah, I was yeah. literally thinking about that, too. I was like, I have no other reason to go to Lancaster, but like you and I are going. So we're going. It's, it's happening. Decided. Yeah. So it's, it's Zotropolis decided. is the theater. Then Lancaster Distilleries is the restaurant. I mean, we had to go to Lancaster. Just yep. Has to happen. Yep. So it was cute. It was, it was cute. Um. It yeah. also it's just always really fun to see any of the one Chicago kids on like a national TV show because I feel mm-hmm. like it doesn't happen that often. But when it does, I'm like, oh, like nothing usually new and excite that exciting comes out of them. But I'm like, oh, it's just fun <laughs> to see them on like national TV. Our little babies all grown up. Yeah, it was good. It was good. So um, the last bit of news we have, Dominic Reigns did an Instagram live with Nikki and Nichelle on Thursday, and it was actually really good. I haven't watched it yet. Um, Dominic is just such like a gentle soul. He's just so sweet. It was it was a really good chat, like really, really good. Yeah, I because you've interviewed him and then I interviewed him at last year's one Chicago Day. Um, and I definitely got those vibes, but we need yeah. to have him back on the podcast. For oh sure. my God. Yes. Okay. So some of the highlights here. So Dominic says that Crockett and Ethan are, and I quote, cool. Now they're cool. Uh, and he said like one of his favorite things about Crockett is that he's really good about not letting things rustle him, but that Morris coming down the line that will. Uh, so he's like, yeah, Crockett's really good at, you know, not holding grudges. He just, he buries things and moves on. You know, the, right. the Ethan thing is not something that would rattle him. Although there is something coming down the pipeline that will. I, I wonder what that is. I know. I know. Um, with regard to Crockett in April, he says that he was the instigator. Duh. 
So, okay. And then they got into a discussion about Mansell, about Natalie and Crockett. And it was kind of like beautiful what he said. So Nikia asked him, like, can Mansell last? And he said that it depends on their transparency with each other and what they're, what they're willing to give up to share something that he called magnetic. He called them magnetic. I love that. That's cool. That's like very poetic. Very poetic and kind of perfect. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. Watch this. I'm gonna have to go back and watch this. I love that he. I love that. That's the word he used. Magnetic. Mm-hmm. So good. So then, then he goes on, and the conversation got really deep. The more we went into the, this interview, which was, I mean, again, awesome. So Dominic goes on, and he starts talking about Crockett, and he says he's like, you know, Crockett has been very isolated for the better part of a decade now because he's protecting something really fragile, and I can only guess that being like that that fragile thing is probably the memory of his daughter but he he said he's like he's protecting something very fragile like that being that memory and I'm like fuck that's beautiful well I think that's why one of the reasons I think I've gravitated towards Mansell so quickly and why Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have is because like that's a thing he has been I feel like so protected of that Mm -hmm. for so long and yet Natalie's someone he's let see a little bit of glimpse into that. Like, obviously, they were watching the home videos, and he's been talking about his daughter. Like, I just, you know, I don't know. That's one of the reasons I personally love them so much, is that he has opened up about that part of his life to her. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. And so uh, Dominic started talking about how he wants to see a, a darker version of Crockett, like emotionally darker. And then oh, after that, okay. the conversation got... The conversation got really serious after that. And it just, it became this like really in-depth discussion about like mortality and about life and death. And uh, they were talking about COVID and, you know, Dominic's brother got COVID. He's fine now, but it was a really good conversation. And and it was funny because the comments coming in were like, this is therapy. It's like free therapy session, group therapy. And then somebody was like, if you don't know, if you, you know, quit acting, you should be a therapist. It was interesting. But then towards the end, I mean, the biggest soundbite that I came away with, Dominic thinks that Natalie is better for Crockett than April because with her, he is just truly happy. I was like, oh, like I could listen to Dominic talk all day. Here for this. Here for this. Yeah. Here for that. It was good. It was really, really good. Oh. Yeah. Love it. Really enjoyed it. So definitely go back and watch it because it was, yeah. I was I giving Brenda the play-by-play and after a while I felt kind of bad because I was just It was like- so funny. I was at dinner and I was like, <laughs> I was at dinner with my brother and a friend and like incoming are all these texts from Gina being like, and this is happening and this is happening. And I was like, yes, just keep going. I appreciate it. It was good. There, there was a cute moment too, where uh, they were talking about one Chicago day and like the last time they'd seen each other. And Nikia was talking about something about her hair being in her face and Dom laughs. And he's just like, I'd brush your hair behind your ear for you any day. I was like, Oh, I would die. (laughs) Oh, love, 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 love. So yeah. Um, That's about all the news we've got. There was a lot this week. I know. I love it. Yeah. It was good. So um, as always, you guys know the drill. If you see anything, please send it to us. You're really good about that. And we do appreciate it. So um, we we are aware of the other news that's like the elephant in the room, but we're, we'll cover that with fire. Yeah, so, I was going to say, that gets addressed when we get to that portion. That of gets, yeah, that'll get addressed on the line. So uh, patron shout outs. We've got three new patrons this week, which is awesome. Okay, Sandra Goddard, welcome to the family. Thank you for supporting the pod. Lois Wong, first of all, thank you for your email. 
Um, and thank you for becoming a patron too. And we're glad you found us all the way from Hawaii. Yeah. So cool. Love it. Love it. And Adam Feuerman, Adam was a last minute ad right at the end of one Chicago day on, on Wednesday. Yeah. I love it. I love seeing all these emails come in every time. It's so fun. It's exciting. So yeah, you guys, welcome to the group. Thank you for supporting the pod. Thank you for being here. Um, If you would like to support the podcast for as little as $2 a month, please head to the Patreon link in our socials. Uh, You can see all the different tiers there, what's available and what different perks might be right for you. We've got the Facebook group. We've got the bonus episodes. We've got the merch store discount. Lots of cool stuff. I feel like we say this every week, but I feel like each week it just gets better and better. Y'all, it joined solely at the $2 tier just for the Facebook group. It is popping. Like, especially this last week, it's been, like, so much fun. Um, Christine in the Facebook group, she made me laugh out loud the other night. There was, like, a One Tree Hill question that she posted, like, in reference to Chicago Fire. And I was like, I am dead. This is the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's just, it's so, it's, it's been a lot of fun being like, oh, new Facebook group notification. Like, it's just so fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So definitely, definitely check it out. So shall we move into the episodes? Let's do it. Okay. Starting with med. Uh, This was a very weird night in one Chicago. Okay. It was weird. And I say that because. A, Nick Gelfus tweeted multiple times, (laughs) which is like a sign of the apocalypse because he usually only tweets, I feel like, when PR is like, yo, we need you to live tweet tonight. Okay, cool. He tweeted like four or five times, which is like a miracle. Right. That's what I'm saying. I feel like he only ever tweets really when PR is clearly like, yo, we need you to tweet tonight. And he is like, oh, I guess if I have fine. Yeah. Um. So that happened, which is just weird in and of itself. I just, okay, I personally, I did not like this episode. I found it very weird. So we got a screener for this episode, and you told me this over the weekend, and I want to know why you don't like this episode. It's all of the parts brought together. It's all of the storylines, like, together. Every single one was either unrealistic or just really annoying. Which, and, and... it's I, I get it. I get it. It's really not fair. I get it. Trust me, I know. But I just I I I really did not like this episode. I just I didn't. It was just the stories were just like very disjointed. There was a promo photo that didn't make it into the episode. Yeah. That we were like, what the fuck? Uh so that was a little bit of a question mark because what the, the and I'm talking about the Will and April photo. I think we all know which one it is, where like Will's hugging April. But I just did, I, it was, it was like all of the, all of the parts did not come together in, in a happy, like, interesting. See, I, I, like I feel it. like just kind of different. Like, I didn't hate this episode. I wouldn't say, like, it's my favorite of the season. The only thing that puts it, like, way above the top for me is the end, uh, Natalie and Crockett scene. The very last Natalie and Crockett scene is, like, the saving grace of the episode. I mean, I love that. And I love their first scene, too, when they're just, like, hardcore flirting. But, like, yeah, like, the Natalie and Crockett's of basically is what's, like, okay, I love this episode. Right, right. <laughs> Otherwise, so. I'm just kind of indifferent towards it. I'm like, yeah, it's, it wasn't, like, the worst episode, but it wasn't, like, oh, my God, this is an amazing episode. Exactly. And it's not, it's not a huge tragedy that I did not like this episode. I mean, I, you know, there's, it happens. I, I feel like it's clearly setting up the last six episodes of the season because we only have six more which is kind of crazy to think about that is crazy Um, 
Yeah, because we're getting 15 this season. Yep. Um, yeah, and we're on nine. So I feel like this was clearly setting up the last, like, half-ish quarter, whatever we're calling it, of the season third, whatever. Right, right. Can't do math right now, but yeah. Okay, so so let's start off with Maggie. Now, in all fairness, I do realize that this storyline with Maggie was to set up the decision to find her daughter. Yes. Okay. So Maggie is picking up Augie's things to donate to Goodwill, basically. And while she's there, she sees a young mother who is basically shopping for a blanket, but she can't afford it. So Maggie decides to gift her the blanket. And, uh, you know, it, that's great. They bond. Her name's Tion. Um, you know, she's pregnant, whatever. The, the, this was like five seconds, literally. This was literally Maggie. The scene was literally Maggie was like, here, this blanket's a gift. Oh, my God, you're bleeding. That's literally it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, kind of like I was like okay that's odd all right so Natalie checks her out and notices that Tion's bleeding again and so she needs surgery to deliver the baby but you know Tion doesn't have any family she doesn't have any insurance she's worried and so she's just like can Maggie come with me like during the surgery so Tion has a successful delivery but the baby is premature the other thing here as I rip out my earphone goodness um the other thing is that the baby has spina bifida. And this was another one of those scenes where I was like, the execution's just kind of odd. Like, she gets wheeled in to see the baby, and the pediatrician's like, yay, hold your baby boy. Oh, by the way, he has spina bifida. Yeah, I didn't really understand. Because, like, obviously, so when they're in the surgery, right, delivering the baby, and they mention that comment about, like, the dimple, yeah. Did you notice that? What does that have to do with anything? I didn't get a chance to like ask my dad or look it up. It, it's probably some sort of symptom or sign that, yeah, I that, didn't get to Google it either. I just like didn't, I was like, what does that have to do with anything? And then the next scene, like you said, they're like, oh, he's spina bifida. And like I said, I assumed it, the two were related, but I thought that was a little weird too. I was like, huh? Yeah, it was, it was odd. And so that, yeah, that was just kind of weird. And so Maggie runs into the lady from DCFS and she's going to meet with Tion and Maggie's just Maggie. She's like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And she's like, Maggie, I can't tell you that. Like, what are you doing? And it turns out that Tion is wanting to put the baby up for adoption. So Maggie just kind of opens up and talks about her decision. I gave my baby up for adoption. I was 16. It seemed like the right thing to do at the time. But there was this voice in the back of my head that... that told me not to do it. And I ignored it. And that voice now is all that I hear. all that matters so later on maggie tells sharon that she's thinking about reconnecting with her daughter and i can't help but 
feel like Goodwin was, I mean, I realized that, you know, it was a dose of reality that she needed, but also Goodwin was a little bit of a buzzkill here. Yeah, but I feel like it is important for Goodwin to, or somebody to point that out to Maggie that like, because I think Maggie's just, I mean, and I, this is what I love about Maggie is that she is so optimistic that like, you know, she can potentially repair that hole in her heart that hasn't healed like she talks about, you know, and obviously Augie is just leaving has just made that worse. Um, and so she, I like that she is optimistic. And again, that's one of the, of the reasons I love Maggie, mm-hmm. but I think it is, somebody had to point it out to her that like, what if your daughter doesn't want to, you know, reconnect? But what if she does? But if she doesn't? Uh, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I feel like since Goodwin and Maggie are like the best friends they are, Goodwin probably should have like propped her up and been like, yeah, go do it, you know, but that's just, that's just me being. I don't know, but I feel like, yeah, there are a lot of times where it works out and like, you know, the biological mom or dad can have a good relationship with their kid, you know, Mm -hmm. later down the line if they reconnect. But there is a lot of times where on both sides, like, you know, either the parents or the child, like, doesn't want to get to know them. Right. And I think that is very realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what I need now? After this conversation, you know what I realized? I was like, okay, I need her to, I need somebody to put Brett and Maggie in touch so they can talk. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I need somebody to put them in touch just so they can Ooh, talk. And, yeah, yeah. 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 That would be, only it wasn't COVID and we could have like normal crossover scenes again. I know. I just, I want that scene at the, like the Molly's patio and, and Brett just being like, well, here's what I went through. And, you know, this is why I wanted to do it. But, you know, I, I, I hope that it works out. And especially after having like re- recently reconnected with Julie and then having lost Julie mm-hmm. and yeah. Ooh, I didn't yeah. even think about that, but that would be, that would be good. I think the thing that I'm concerned about with this storyline is I obviously want I want the best for Maggie like we all do I mean Maggie deserves the world and all the happiness Mm -hmm. but I am like slightly concerned that reality is gonna hit and her daughter is not gonna wanna you know be around you know yeah be around I uh, I hope not because Maggie deserves the world yeah it just I'm where I'm I'm concerned same same so uh yeah you guys had a lot of opinions here so Maggie or Maggie Megan (laughs) Megan Megan said well I do love Maggie helping out that mother and I understand why she gave up Augie she deserves to be happy why do the writers have it out for the one Chicago women every one of them would make great mothers can't wait to see how the whole Maggie biological daughter storyline plays out do the writers have it out for the one Chicago women I don't know. What do you think? I got to think about that. I mean, if we're talking just in terms of pregnancy and motherhood, hell yes. Oh, yeah. I think, and I think that is what Megan's talking about. Then yes, absolutely. Um, Given the context of her comment. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because we obviously, even right now, we haven't gone back to the Burgess Michaela stuff yet either. So, right. We have no idea how that's going, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, Jess said, I liked seeing her bond with and be there for the patient and eventually convince her to keep her son. I also thought that Sharon had a point about Maggie being prepared for the possibility of her daughter and not wanting to know her. It's hard to hear. And I hope that def- I definitely hope that it doesn't turn out to be the case because I don't want Maggie to get hurt, but it is a possibility she needs to be prepared for it. My only question is whether we think her daughter is going to happen in this season or possibly early next season. Oh, goodness. That's a good question because I could see it being next season just because of 15 episodes. But I could also see her meeting her daughter in like the last episode, like the cliffhanger, like, you know, or her finding out like where her daughter is in the cliffhanger and then like meeting her happening early next season. Um, Yeah, I feel like we're not going to, I hope, let's put it this way. I hope we don't wrap up this storyline in the next six episodes because then I feel like that might feel rushed. Yeah. I'm with you only on that because, one. Only because I know Maggie said like, oh yeah, there's this program through DCFS that can help me find her. But like, that's not going to happen overnight, even with the help of a program. Exactly. So like, I feel like if they draw it out as like, oh yeah, next week I've met my da- I found my daughter. Like, that's just going to feel like what? That's yeah, that's going to be, that's going to feel way too rushed. Yeah. So hmm. we'll see. We will. So Allie said the whole Maggie storyline was heartbreaking, especially the scene when she was telling the woman about how she's always felt the lingering regret of giving up her daughter. Goodwin pointed out some important things, though. Adoption is a tricky subject and reconnecting birth families can go a whole range of different ways. I really hope it turns out well for Maggie, though. She deserves closure and happiness after everything she's been through. True. True. Um, Casey said, I really thought that Maggie was going to adopt that young girl's baby. But the heartfelt conversation between Maggie and the mother shows a lot about Maggie's character and all that she's been through. I really hope she's able at least to meet her daughter that she put up for adoption. Yeah. I think she will, though. I think regardless of whether it ends up obviously being like a relationship form between them, they're definitely going to meet. Yeah, they are. They are. Um, I did see some tweets throwing out some theories that what if Tion was the daughter? I thought that for like a hot second, but... That was quickly dismissed. But we we don't even know where we don't know where the daughter is. Yeah, I know, but I was just it was just one of those things where it's like, oh, I wonder if that's gonna be how they meet or blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I did think about it for a hot second. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Um, Zach said, after having to give up Augie last week, I'm excited to see where this will go for Maggie and how her daughter will receive her. Hopefully this will be an opportunity for her to bond with the daughter that she had to let go. I wish nothing but good for Maggie as she embarks on this endeavor. Yep. Same. Same. Same, same. So moving into Natalie and Marcel and Dr. Archer. Archer is exhausting. I told you last week, hate him. Hate him. He can just like GTFO. It took me a minute. Okay. And now I'm there. Now I'm like, okay, boomer. Bye. Bye. Yes. Bye. Okay. Yeah, Brenda, take sucks. it. He yeah. Sucks. Yeah. Take it. Take it away. Okay. So episode begins and Marcel stops Natalie in the lobby. They're like hardcore, hardcore flirting. It's really fucking cute. Um, also, Natalie's mom is doing great after her um, LVAD procedure last week. Um, you know, in case you all were wondering. Um but Dr. Archer is off in the corner, like, getting his coffee, and he notices that Marcel and Natalie are, like, flirting with each other, but just, like, files that note away in his brain for later. So lame. So 
Natalie stops in when she sees one of Owen's classmates' moms in the ER, and she's been treated by Dr. Archer. Um, She's got some severe stomach pain, and Dr. Archer sends her to get a CT. And when Natalie and Dr. Archer walk back out into the ED, Natalie's all like, I'm not trying to step on anyone's toes, but... And, like, she does just that. (laughs) Um... And she's like, I saw some swelling around the gallbladder. And, you know, I'm wondering why you're not doing anything about that. And Dr. Archer's like, I'm not worried about it yet. Like, let's just get the CT back and see where we go. So later on, Natalie stops Dr. Archer, who is like discharging her friend. And Natalie's like, do you mind if I look at the CT? And which ultimately ends up showing nothing really. And she's like, I'm still convinced the gallbladder is an issue. And Dr. Archer's like, well, I'm not. Hence why I'm discharging her. (laughs) Yeah. So Natalie goes, full Natalie, (laughs) and goes behind Dr. Archer's back and gets Marcel to give a second opinion, which is that the gallbladder needs to come out. And Dr. Archer is pissed. (laughs) Dean, I understand you're upset. Okay, no one likes to be disagreed with. You went behind my back. Regardless of how this played out, Dean, I'm involved now. And I happen to agree with Dr. Manning's diagnosis. Okay, you also happen to be in cahoots. I'm sorry, cahoots. You guys are having an intimate relationship, right? Aren't you? We are professional (sighs) colleagues, and that is all that should concern you. This morning, I saw the way you two were looking at each other. (laughs) Okay. Forget that guy. Mm-hmm. You okay? Yeah. Oh, man. I kind of love this scene, though. Like, it's just funny to me. I, I think because Dr. Archer uses the word cahoots, which I, like, as much <laughs> as I hate him, I love that he used that. That was that was the part that got me, too. I was like, cahoots? Like, what are you... Why don't you just start the sentence with, like, oh, golly gee, you two are canoodling in the saloon. Like... <laughs> well that's what Marcel even says he's like I'm sorry cahoots and it's just I just thought it was funny but yeah like I understand why he is upset because like Natalie did go Natalie and that's a little much but also Natalie is also right oh no Natalie's 100% right but also it's just so petty of Dr. Archer that's like the only thing he can get them on so he gets them on that right So, again, he, you know, calls him out for being in a relationship. And then he's like, I'm going to go tell Dr. Troy about it. So then, of course, Troy has to go confront Natalie about it. And he's all, you know, and she's, like, explaining herself or whatever. And Troy's like, yeah, well, being right about the medicine doesn't excuse about how you went about things. And then he tells Natalie's like, have you met me? Yeah. And then he tells her that, like, she and Marcel are going to have to go to HR and declare their relationship, which I understand. But then Natalie says what all of us are thinking. He's like, and she's like, well, why didn't you in April? Like, you in April never did that. Like, what the fuck? And he's like, yeah, but it's not exactly the same thing because I'm a doctor and April's a nurse. So it was never like a, you know, double. They can never, like, double come across on another The double standard here is, like, it couldn't be more glaring. Yeah. Like, Natalie and Will never had to declare their relationship. Nope. Nope. Uh, Connor and Ava? Nope. Yeah. 
anybody else in this yeah anybody in the hospital who's ever dated another person in the hospital no the, the double standard is just Will so Nina, like connor and robin oh, i mean yeah. yeah yeah it's just bad yeah anyway so natalie's venting t- about what Choi said to marcel and marcel's all like why didn't we just go to hr and natalie's like it's a violation of our privacy <laughs> duh and you know i mean the point is like she cares what people think which like i don't understand why does she care what people think like what is her problem about i i i well i think it's because i think it's because of the past that she has with will you know she doesn't want to be seen as somebody who's like bouncing around from doctor to doctor even though it's nobody's business but also i understand i understand completely but i also think it's less so what she i i think it's less that she's worried about what people think and i'm more i'm more so wondering if she is all in the way crockett is it's interesting that you say i mean like i guess i understand why she's worried about what people think you given on the fact that like you know she was once engaged to will but like literally everyone else dates you know each other multiple times you know Choi dated um well I guess that was a yeah Vicky and then also has dated April and then you know Will has dated not only Natalie but um Nina and Dr. Asher like other you know tons of everyone has done that um and Will's romance with Dr. Asher was way more salacious than this yeah for real for real these are just two people who are dating dr asher and will was like a whole whole other that was a whole other bag of worms yeah yeah i don't know i just thought it was interesting because i was like i feel like a lot of times when people say those kind of comments and like they care about what people think it's like you know more of like a romeo and juliet situation you know where someone's like of one class versus the other you know like it's like more obvious and like what's wrong with natalie and marcel dating it's not like well i think crockett has this like he's got this persona of being like the bad boy of the ed which is just not but does he still have that i don't really think i think that was more of a season five thing no i think it still is because natalie's still the only one who knows about his baby i mean i guess maybe it's just not as obvious this season but i don't know Anyway, so the episode ends and Natalie stops Marcel on the way out of the hospital, like at the end of the night. And she wants to sign the form. And she says, you know, everything I said earlier was coming from a place of fear. I don't have reservations about us. And the last thing I want to do is break things off. And so they sign the papers. And he's like, you know, people are going to talk. And she's like, so let them. That was my favorite scene of the episode. I love this scene. The chemistry between them is so good. It's unreal. It's, and and I'm not, well, I I say I'm not trying to compare, but I'm comparing. But, like, the chemistry between Nick and Tori is very friendly. They are BFFs. Their banter is old married couple. They are BFFs. But the chemistry between Tori and Dominic is, like, it's, like, it's hot. You know, it's it's good. Yeah, it's definitely more romantic it's it's yeah it's more romantic there's there's it's yeah it's 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 sexier yeah Yeah, for sure and that's Um, not saying the chemistry between nick and tori is bad it's not i nick and tori it's just different it's just different it's just different um i also just love how he was like turn around and like signed it on her back like i thought that was so cute Mm -hmm. i 
And the way that he looked at her when they like walk out of the hospital and that's how it ends, it's just like, oh. He really is truly happy with her. And I hope she knows that. And I hope she, you know, she treats that with the respect it deserves. Yeah. And I think clearly, like, he's making her happy, too. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, I mean, her last relationship was Philip. Mm-hmm. Which is like, yeah. I mean. But I, I don't know if she views this as the serious thing that Crockett views it as. I think she might view this as more casual, more of a fling. But does she sign the papers if she thinks it's so casual? I think like, she's I not feel sure. Like, See, for me, I saw this as, like, her actually going and signing the papers. I was like, oh, like, she thinks this is, like, somewhat serious. After last week, I was talking about, you know, like, I don't know where they stand. Like, are they casual? Is it serious? I was, we we were literally having this conversation. And then this week, I was like, oh, this is the answer. Like, they're serious. I'm not saying they're, like, endgame serious yet. But, like, to me, this is, like, oh, we're definitely in a relationship. Like, that's what you label that as. Mm-hmm. To me, at least. That's how I took this. Interesting. But I'm also a hardcore Mansell stand. So, like, maybe that was just me reading into this. I don't know. Yeah. So, I don't know. Start us off with Megan. Okay. So, Megan said, what businesses what business is it of archers to intervene in the relationships ethan should be the one to talk as he has been in one himself (laughs) however i did appreciate ethan calling him out on treating other doctors patients which we'll get to in a second yeah yeah it was good so jess said mansell was hit or miss for me this episode i got on board with mansell pretty quickly and maybe i'm still a little salty at crockett from last episode but mansell's flirting at the start came off a little awkward I don't know maybe I have to go back and have another watch but something about it was just a bit yikes see I loved it I've watched this episode now three four times and yeah Jess I uh, respectfully disagree (laughs) (laughs) but then they were so freaking cute at the end and the little smiley face when Crockett signed the papers yes the little smiley face that was so cute it's so cute oh my goodness I wonder if that was scripted probably not Um, It might just be a case of awkward dialogue for the first scene. I'm not sure. Either way, it's not enough for me to abandon ship. I'm not even going to mention Crockett coming onto the case behind Archer's back, especially considering how he went off at will the last episode. Enough said. Um, Jess, even if you wanted to abandon ship, Bryna wouldn't let you. No. No, 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 no. Yeah. Bryna would be lowering all the lifeboats, tossing you the raft. She'd be like, no, come back, come back. (laughs) Come back. Yeah. (laughs) And then, like, my heart will go on playing in the background. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Come back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, Allie said, Dr. Doctor Archer is a pain in the ass, and he and can he please leave already? Okay, but gotta admit that scene of him calling out Natalie Marcel was kind of hilarious. Who on earth says cahoots these days? Thank you. He does apparently. I've probably said it recently just because I'm old. Uh, also she said that Mansell scene at the end was freaking amazing and adorable and they're 100% my top med ship right now same and she said did Bryna freak out yes <laughs> yes 100% awesome Casey says I'm glad that Mansell decided to sign the PR for him I think the writers are taking their relationship seriously and I hope we continue to see their relationship grow yeah I agree I don't know still I'm like Part of me is, like, slightly hesitant to go all, all, all in on Mansell just because I'm afraid the writers are going to pull the rug out from underneath me and then, like, go back to Manstead and I'm going to, like, hate everything again. But 
I'm yeah, I'm still like 100 on board. Love it. So, yeah. Um, and Zach said, I appreciate Dr. Archer's knowledge and that he was able to give Troy advice on his patient, which again, we'll get to in a second. But then when it came to ha- what happened with Natalie's friend, along with Marcel getting involved, Archer crossed the line. The fact that he was able to determine that Crockett and Natalie are dating and then told Ethan was cold. Then it put Natalie in a tough spot with Crockett as to whether or not they should notify HR. Eventually they would, but now I'm even more worried about what else Dr. Archer will be capable of next. Do you think Archer knows the position that he holds with Troy and like is fully aware of it and wanting to abuse it? Yeah, I think so. And I think he knows that it would be easy for if somebody slipped up, like, I mean, he was clearly running things back at his old hospital and he's well-respected. So I think he knows that he could probably easily slip back into like a top spot, you know, if something were to happen to somebody. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So, moving on to Doctor Choi. This was, uh, you know, this 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 was interesting. I don't know. This case did nothing for me. This is it's the same thing. I'm just like, eh, okay, whatever. Okay. So, Doctor Choi and Doctor Archer they have a talk in the lounge before the day starts. Archer is good with the chain of command, or so he says. Yeah. So he says. Yeah. So Dr. Troy gets brought in to consult on a case. This guy, Hector, he's been having trouble breathing. He's had an up and down fever, swollen ears, etc. cetera. Um, thankfully, it's not COVID, but Ethan thinks it might be pneumonia. So he orders some tests to try and figure it out. So the tests come back. He doesn't have pneumonia. Choi's like, okay, well, maybe it's some kind of infection, but he starts him on antibiotics and he looks at his blood even closer. So Dr. Archer overhears all of this and he takes a look at the iPad and he's like, okay, let's look into the ear swelling. And Ethan's like, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Okay. So Dr. Choi's patient starts crashing, but his tests keep coming back normal and Archer sticks his nose in it again. And he's like, there's this thing called Vexus. It's a genetic mutation. It's got like 25 cases, but it might be the thing. Um, and he, at some point he even brings up the whole thing about zebras again, zebras being like super rare conditions that you got to start looking for. Um, but like, I kind of get it. Cause like, if I were at that point where I'm kind of stumped, I would want a second set of eyes on it too. Yeah, definitely. But the thing that I thought was kind of, you know, I mean, this is where we get into the whole thing. Cause then our Dr. Archer's like, well, I just don't want to be doing to you what was done to me. And I'm just like, oh, fuck off already. This was so passive aggressive. This was like teenage girl level passive aggressive. Well, and the thing that I kind of, I thought was funny, but also like terrible was that when Ethan's like calling him out, he's like, you're being disingenuous. And Archer's like, yeah, I am. And- I'm like, okay okay like congratulations you want to stop yeah like that doesn't mean it's okay for you to be disingenuous like but he's like yeah i am so bad yeah it's just he's just so petty he really is petty childish bullshit which like you just got here dude like sit back be nice right like yeah not cool not cool um yeah so that that i just don't want you to be doing like that whole line when he's like i just don't want you like doing to you what was done to me that's that's like when you ask a girl if she's fine and she just says i'm fine and she's not fine like that's what that is right it's like so stupid yeah um but archer ends up doing it anyway when he's like oh the bone marrow samples are at the lab so i think i'm just gonna like take it upon myself to run the test for vexus he's right it's vexus but 
Dr. Troy is pissed. Yeah, I mean, at least Ethan's like, hey, good call. But, like, yeah. Like, I'm glad for the patient that Archer followed his instincts. But, like, where where's the line there? there? There's a question of, like, where's the line and who's right, you know? Yeah. I'm curious what you think, like, what is he trying to get at? Because I feel like clearly he's trying to do something. Like, he's not pushing all these buttons, I feel like, for no reason. I The only logical thing I could see is that he wants Troy's position, and he's trying to, like, he's trying to come into power just for the job security. Yeah. I just, it's rubbing me the wrong way. And I'm, like, so over it already. He's He is very, like, tedious, very exhausting. I'm To the point where you're just like, can you shut up? Like, no. Like, you can gladly go away for an episode or two. <laughs> gladly. Um, but yeah, just I'm over the Dr. Archer stuff. Over yeah. It. Yeah. Same. But I mean, he's got a couple more episodes, so we'll see. Oh, I know. I know. I know. Don't remind me. <laughs> All right. Moving on to Dr. Charles. Brian, I'm so glad you're covering this one because I, I, I don't want to say I hated it, but I, I did not like it. Yeah, I didn't really like it either. But I'll cover it. (laughs) So this girl named Ramona gets brought in and she's got like a head black and a nail on the foot, which she put there herself. But we'll get to that in a second. And she starts when she finally like comes to it, she starts freaking out when she realizes like she's at med because she wants to go to East Mercy. Okay. I hear East Mercy and I keep thinking Mercy West from Grays and I get like all kinds of confused. I'm like, wait a second. We're not in Seattle. We're in Chicago. What the fuck is going on? (laughs) Um, I I did laugh a little bit when she was like, I don't want to be here. I was like, girl, (laughs) like the most unsafe hospital in the world. But yes, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. Also the fact that there's like a third hospital in Chicago. No, isn't there four? Because remember that one time somebody got taken to like Sister Hope, Lady of Somewhere at Justice, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's at least four hospitals, and I'm like, wow, huh? East Mercy, Lakeshore, Lakeshore's still a thing, right? Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, and then, I, yeah, and so. Lady of whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just I can't, I can't keep up. <laughs> um. So anyway. And so she's, like, hardcore resisting any kind of treatment. And, like, so much so that she has to be, like, restrained. So Dr. Charles hops in on this case to, like, try to calm her down. Um, Ultimately, she agrees to do a CT scan if that means she can, like, then be transferred to East Mercy after. So the CT comes back. Ramona has a subdural hematoma. And still she's just like, I just want to leave. I just want to leave. And Will and April are also there too. And they're like, yeah, no, like you need surgery. And then Dr. Charles is like, well, no, actually, like, I think we should let her go. Like, since she's just clearly going to refuse treatment from them anyway, like might as well let her go get treatment where she wants to be. Can we also talk for a second about how the fact that like she, she hit her head when she like, when she got herself with the nail gun, right? Like that's supposed to be like the, just a little cut or something that needs stitches. Girl needs a whole ass craniotomy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because you had a bad day. <laughs> like <laughs> It's her here. <laughs> um, yeah. And then April comes or finds Dr. Charles later and she's like, we have a problem. So as it turns out, this Dr. Bridges from East Mercy is refusing to treat Ramona. 
apparently Ramona has been in every couple weeks for the last year and only we'll see him. But like when she comes in, she doesn't really have anything wrong with her. And so last week, last week, he called her out on making up her symptoms. So Dr. Charles thinks that again, maybe she shot herself in the foot with a nail gun on purpose so that like there would be something for Dr. Bridges to treat. And Dr. Bridges even says, he's like, I hope Ramona gets the help that she needs, but, like, I can't be the one to give it to her. So, Ramona's sad and confused as to why Dr. Bridges won't treat her. And then she and Dr. Charles are having this talk, and Dr. Charles suggests that, like, well, maybe it's a lack of boundaries. And, like, but Rhea keeps constantly reassuring her that, like, Dr. Bridges wants her to get the care that she needs, like, trying to convince her to, like, get this fucking surgery. Um, and so Ramona's convinced that Dr. Bridges has feelings for her and ultimately finally agrees to the surgery. So Dr. Charles goes back to check on Ramona after surgery. And of course she immediately asks about Dr. Bridges. Um, and I guess we find out in this conversation that apparently Dr. Bridges is the one who tried to save Ramona's dad, who was also a doctor and has recently passed away, um, which is how she and Dr. Bridges met originally. And she also has daddy issues because she feels like her dad didn't care for her. Um, and Dr. Charles is like, finally, he's just like, says or he's like, he's your doctor, but like, that's all he is. This was just, this was one of those where like, you know, when people come in, you never find out the why until later. And that's what kind of just like keeps you enthralled until you're like, oh, that's the why. I didn't care. I was like, that's the why. That's it. Yeah. And so it keeps going, though, because she doesn't want to believe that Dr. Char- what Dr. Charles is saying. So she starts getting rowdy and restless again, and has he, he finally has to call in security. Okay. So in the last scene, Ramona escapes from her bed and finds Dr. Charles in the elevator, which is just creepy. Um, she confesses that she did end up shooting herself with the nail gun just so she could see Dr. Bridges. And she goes on and talks about how she's like, you know, it's just a lot to lose your dad. And it's just helpful to find people who know what that feels like. And Dr. Charles is like, you mean like Dr. Bridges? And she's like, no, I was talking about you. And then Dr. Charles is like, what the fuck? And then finally, just at that moment, the door opens and security's like come from Ramona. But, like, that's kind of the end of the storyline. And in some ways, it kind of feels left open. So did Dr. Charles just get himself a stalker? Right. Like, are, is that going to be a thing that happens for the rest of this season? I don't I don't like that. I don't know how I feel about that. No. Like, can't we go back to, like, Dr. Charles and Anna, like, father-daughter storylines? Yeah. I don't need Dr. Charles' stalker. Yeah, and I mean, we tried we tried the psycho killer in the hospital storyline once before. Her name was Ava. It didn't go well. Like, can we can we not? Yeah. No. No. It was weird. It, this whole episode was just weird. Except for the Marcel and Natalie stuff. Yes. Um. Yeah. Um. But Megan said, "Always nice to see Will and April's friendship." Because we got a little moment of that. We'll talk about that in a second. Um. Love the teamwork with Dr. Charles on their case. Um, and then she has some comments. Oh, she said, Dr. Charles' case tonight really felt like the med writers were going back to their roots on this one. I love that he doesn't yell at his patients and tries to see them things from multiple perspectives. Yeah. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. He really is so good with the patients. Yeah. So 
Jess said, Dr. Charles and Will's storylines both felt a little undercooked. There wasn't much to either of them, which definitely makes me think Dr. Charles's at least will continue in at least the next few episodes. Meanwhile, and this is more stuff about Will that we'll talk about in a second, but, uh, you know, his clinical trial's over, so, or the, it's close to admissions, is it over? And Will, April's kind of disappointed. Um, and it's more of a question of, will she miss working on the trial or will she miss working with Will? We all know which one I would miss. Working with Will, clearly. Hmm. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Uh, Allie said, can we please stop putting Dr. Charles in danger? Yes. <laughs> uh, she said that storyline did not feel wrapped up in any way. So the woman is almost definitely coming back at some point. I'm just praying we don't have a repeat of the season two finale. Right. Agree. Mm-hmm. Hardcore agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess we should briefly talk about Will and April. Cause like at first I was honestly going to start a separate section for them, but then I was like, they only got like two scenes. I was like, that's not worth having a section. Exactly. This episode was so disjointed. Like it was just, it was sloppy i wonder if something got cut i definitely got cut because like i agree it seems like at one point when will comes back and tells april that like the they've decided to close admissions for the for the trial the look on her face it looks like she looks so sad she looks really stressed at the beginning of the episode and i can't tell I mean, like, clearly I feel like they had some kind of talks. Like you said, there was that promo photo of them hugging that was, like, cut out. Um, But, like, I just, I don't know what happened. That just, it felt weird. That felt like a weird reaction, and then we got no follow-up on it. It just, it felt weird. Yeah. Yeah, really weird. But all we really need to know about Will and April is that, you know, April's like, hey, Will, is there anything to do on the trial? And he's like, no, everything's fine. And she's like, I'll go and look through for a patient, whatever. And Will's like, cool, great, awesome. Um. And then basically there's a scene midway through where Dr. Verani is like flirting with Will and there's like some mention of golfing and Will's like, I don't golf. And then April's like, I found somebody. And Will's just like, hey, we just closed it to admissions. And that's it. That's literally it. It's just not great. It was just, it was was a very disjointed episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any other notes on med? No, I think that's about it. Okay. It's time to move into fire. Oh, man. Oh, man. I know. I know. I know. We have a lot of yelling to do about fire. Oh, Lord. Just, like, (sighs) stretch it out. I know. We usually don't have to yell until PD, and so it's, like, a gradual ramp up, but we got to yell about fire tonight. It's, like, I'm not ready. I got a lot to yell about fire tonight. Okay. All right. We're just going to start. Okay. (laughs) All right. We're going to start with Casey. So, I know. I know. Brent is already facepalming. Just... It's not good. Okay, so we start the episode, and Casey thanks Brett for calling him out. And she's just like, he's like, no, like, I'm so glad you did it. You were right. Okay, wait. So you agree you are still in love with Gabby? I don't think that's what he was saying you were right about. I think he was saying you were right that I was being a fucking asshole. I'm still so confused about this conversation they had last week. I, I, I'm confused about everything. And I, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm like, I, yeah. Did Casey completely miss the part where she said the D word and she played the Dawson card? I, yes, I think, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm so confused. But I think he was saying you are right about the way he was acting towards Granger. Because technically... We all saw that he kind of 
half-hearted, not really apologized to Granger, but was cool with Granger after that call. But she didn't see that. Huh. So that's what I took it as. But again, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's happening anymore. (laughs) I thought I did, but I don't. So that out of the way, we go to the call and a drunk Uber driver basically takes Casey for like the worst ride of his life. I just want to know, how the fuck does Casey have that tumble that he has and not break any bones? I don't know. Like, yeah, cool. Okay, he probably has a concussion, but, like, he didn't break any bones and he rolled, like, that many times. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, in, in gymnastics, they teach you how to fall correctly. Maybe they teach that at the academy, too. But they don't teach you how to get swung from a car after you, like, zigzag your way through the streets of chicago i don't know man i don't know i don't know uh side note but the wolf entertainment account they posted an interview with the stunt guy who did the driving on that one and it was a pretty cool interview about how he got his start and like what what he loves to do on like as a stunt coordinator and it was cool if you get to read it you definitely should because they do some crazy ass shit Mm -hmm. and oddly enough he says he's never broken a bone on a stunt crazy yeah yeah that does does that mean he's broken a bone not because of a stunt yeah yeah he broke one i can't remember what it was doing but like yeah he's never broken one and he said that on fire jesse and taylor are are the ones who are like they are down to do anything they want to do all i'm sure i'm sure love it love it okay so so he yeah he he rolls like seven times somewhere along the way hits his head and he's like i'm good i don't want to go to the hospital i'm fine and stella's like bro you hit your head on the concrete he's like i'm good i'm good motherfucker i just i know so they get back from the call and casey's not right okay like he's light sensitive he's forgetting things and you can tell he's light sensitive because when he's talking to bowden he's squinting like Mm -hmm. textbook signs of a concussion Mm -hmm. everywhere and his head is pounding and at a certain point it feels like he's like underwater like everything's really hazy but the easiest thing to do here would be to i don't know speak the fuck up right but no 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 but no that's too easy gina too easy why would we do that why we don't communicate our needs in one chicago come on now i know yeah i can't oh my god um so this is happening everything's all hazy and enter christy we haven't seen casey's sister in forever but here she is season three season three oh my god season three yeah goodness so, also, I Casey would totally buy his Misa gift card. Oh like, yeah, he has like, he has no idea how to uncle. She's like, oh, thanks. You know, Violet loved the gift card he sent. She's like, oh, I didn't know what to send. Yeah, Casey would totally buy his Misa fucking gift card. Casey's the one who like he he tries to like he tries to be an uncle and he tries to be like the funkle, but he just yeah. can't because he's Casey. He's just awkward. He's just <laughs> like, what's up, kids? <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, he tries, but no. Yeah, but he tries, and that's, like, the key thing there. Yeah. But their Uncle Jake just died, and he left them a safe deposit box. And so Casey's not thrilled, but he's like, yeah, sure, whatever, I'll meet you the next day. Like, that's fine. Um, But that Nancy update, the update on their mom, it was frosty. The fact that they're like, yeah, I spent the whole hour Zoom trying to see if, you know, she'd, like, pop up here. And I'm like, oh, so clearly we haven't talked to Nancy since she rode off in the sunset that one time. In years, plural. Crazy. 
I know. Then Casey also said that she ran off with somebody named Cheyenne. Yeah, that happened on this show. Did it? I don't. It's been a long time since season three. Yeah, that may have even been season two. I don't remember. But yeah, that happened on the show. Oh, okay. It's been a long time. So, um, but yeah, things are still, things are quite frosty, which like, I feel bad for them. But also, I mean, that's, that's a lot to unpack there. Mm-hmm. Jeez. So Casey meets Christy at the bank. They open the security box and it's a Rolex. Um, and they're both just like, the fuck? Uh-huh. What is this? Uh-huh. Yeah. What? Yeah. So Casey's like, whatever, I'll take it to a watch shop and I'll get it appraised. Like, that's fine. Whatever. Um, there's a little bit of a side note just in that Wolf Entertainment was like, did you notice that the clock was like at 240 to show that Casey was late? We're like, yeah, we know. We know he has a concussion. Thank you, though. <laughs> uh, but Christy's disappointed. Christy's like, I was really hoping to find something about mom and get some closure and, you know, not quite. So. At the beginning of the next shift, Casey is still having issues. He opens his drawer and pulls out his scans from the accident in season two. He, okay, like, it's one thing to still have your scans, but, like, in an apartment or in a safe or something, totally get that. At the bottom of your drawer and to just be able to just, like, grab them, like, no big deal? Right. Like, no, not even just your drawer. At your job. Because he doesn't also, the thing that also kind of is crazy about that too is like Casey shares that quarters with the other lieutenants on the, from the other shifts. Oh, right, right, right. So it's not even just like, oh, that's Casey's space. No, he shares that desk. Unless he like, yeah, unless he grabbed it when he had gone home the night before or something, I could see that. But otherwise I'm like, why do you have that just like at the right, why is it still in your drawer? It's I wonder weird. if it's, it, maybe it's something like Inception, how, like, they have a token. Like, maybe that's his thing to just remind him of that time, like, he almost died. I don't know. That's so weird, though. I know. No, I'm with you. It's weird. It's weird. Okay, so he pulls out the scans, and he looks at it, and there were, there's a couple of things with this scan that's, like, odd. Okay, so it says 2012, first off. Uh, season two was 2013, was it not? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, 2013-2014. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In and around there. The other thing, too, is that it says on the scan, it lists out his birth date and his age and everything. And they got it wrong here because it lists his age and his date of birth as of now. So Casey has the same birthday as Spencer. Did catch that. That cute little detail. Uh, but it also says it's like age 42. He's 42 now, not in 2012. Yeah. Also, I still can't believe Spencer's 42. I know. God damn, he does not look 42. I know. In the best way. In the best way. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus. I mean, all these Hollywood guys, they get better at 40. It's just, it's it's insane. Like, he literally doesn't even look, like, he does not look 42. You know what I've also just recently uncovered? So John Mayer got a TikTok, and John Mayer is over 40, and Homeboy is looking so good. Really? He's got, like, long, flowy hair now. It's, it's a good look. And, like, Justin Timberlake is 40. He's looking amazing. John Matt Mayer Zucri is, is over 40. He's amazing. Huh? John Mayer's 40? He's over 40. Oh, yeah. He's, Damn. He, yeah, he's over 40. Um, who else is in there? 40? Yeah, Matt Zucri. He's 40. It looks super hot. Um, Chad Michael Murray will be 40 this year. Dang! No, he will not. He will. Google it. He Shut will. the fuck up! Yep. Yeah, and I only know that because his birthday is the same day as my best friend's. Um, I'm Googling how old John Mayer is right now just to find out. And he, he's like 
43. Okay, John Mayer's 43. Oh my God. Yeah, I man. Murray is going to be 40. Yeah. Jesse Metcalf is like 42. Yeah, I knew that one, though. Yep. Yep. I'm like looking at that. I'm like, dang. Scott Porter in his 40s. Yeah, I knew that one, too. I'm Googling Hollywood actors in their 40s. This is going to be a shit show. Hold on. Taylor will be 40 this year. Yeah. I, that one does. I, yeah. Ryan Reynolds. Oh, my God. Chris Evans is going to be 40 this year. He, yeah. Chris Evans is going to be 40 this year. <laughs> Damn. I know. I know. Yeah. Um, Paul Bettany, freaking Vision, is going to be 50 this year. Is that not, like, the craziest thing ever? shut up i know sweet shut gentle up. adorable vision oh my god oh my god yeah i know i know crazy anyway, so crazy. <laughs> anyway. oh yeah ryan reynolds is 44 yeah i think i knew that one too though john krasinski yeah yep jared leto he's super sexy what about ryan gosling oh ryan gosling's 40 i think so yeah yeah he turned tom hardy last year yeah, I'm just scrolling through the list now. Jason Momoa, super hot. <laughs> this has been a fun little detour. Anyway. Uh, At so, Casey Scans. Casey Scans. Anyway. <laughs> so he reads on the bottom of the thing. It says, due to the nature of the injury, another head injury could exacerbate trauma to a debilitating level. So, I mean, but we knew that. We knew that when it happened in season two. Right. But the fact that, like... And they're bringing back up to prove that, like, Casey's not right right now. No. Like, it really got me thinking about, you know, how obviously with, like, the NFL and CTE and having, you know, all the different, you know, having so many concussions in the NFL and leading to, obviously, lots of brain trauma. That's what it got me thinking about. I was like, God, what if, I mean, it just got me thinking about all these things. I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be really bad. Yeah. Like, this isn't just, like, oh, Casey had a concussion. Okay, cool, whatever. Like, this is, like, some serious shit. Yeah. Oh, God, I just got, like, a what if about the the finale, but we'll get there. Um, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. You read the whole article with Derek, right? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get get there. Okay, so... (sighs) So at the beginning of the next shift, Casey's still having issues. Like, things are still underwater. It's all weird. But um, he's about to ask Brett for help. And he's like, can I ask your, like, professional opinion on something? And Brett's like, yeah, of course. They get called out to a scene on the apron. This is another what the fuck. Okay. So this guy had his truck and he, like, he's in the apron with the, it's, but it is a truck, isn't it? No, it is, but it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, same. Okay, so so this guy fell off his truck, and, like, there's a thing, there's a theme with, like, impalements and, and, and Chicago Fire in this episode. Uh, and this guy basically, like, he has, like, a compound fracture. The bone is, like, sticking through the leg. It's one of those, like, totally lovely, not gruesome at all scenes. But I have a million questions here, okay? So what was he doing in the apron? Like, oh, no. was he making a U-turn? But then, like, if he was making a U-turn, why did he get out of the truck? right was he he delivering something but okay so if he was delivering something to the firehouse what was he delivering i don't know it looked like drinks or something yeah this is one of those like how the fuck did this happen don't know this is definitely one we need to jot down and be like hey derek (laughs) derek how did this happen (laughs) why was this a thing that happened because derek wrote this episode too so derek could definitely tell us what he was thinking no 
that tracks. That tracks that Derek would write this episode. Yeah. Derek wrote this episode. Okay. So, God, what a doozy. Derek wrote this, and then Rick and Gavin wrote PD. Yeah. No wonder it was a rough night. <laughs> Who wrote Med? That's really the question. I know. Jeff, probably. I'm looking it up right this second. Hold on. Okay, so that whole thing is weird but yeah so once that's over brett's like what did you want to ask me in case he's like oh never mind seriously seriously um, to answer the question um jeff didn't write it but steven did steven and daniel sinclair so no wonder it was a rough night in chicago <laughs> yeah steven wrote it all three of them were like let's just destroy everybody's emotions that's fun to do Okay, so Casey drops off the Rolex, and apparently this is, like, the creme de la creme of watches. This sucker is worth $80,000. Crazy. $80,000. Yeah. Crazy. Okay, so we find out, so the the watch is engraved with JMD on the back, and JMD was their uncle's first wife. I think there's a reason Uncle Jake wanted you to open that box. A reason? That'll be for you to figure out. Okay. Where are we going with this? I'm so, so confused. So confused. Derek, man, you're really killing us here. There is a part of me that is like starting to panic. I'm like, wait a second. On one Chicago day, I almost called him Matt. Jesse Spencer was (laughs) like, I love it. I'm not going anywhere. Like the show's amazing, blah, blah, blah. But now I'm like, there's part of me that's panicking. It's like, is he lying to us? Okay, here's my dilemma. As a, like, hardcore, 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 hardcore Bretzy fan, part of me is like, no, they're never, this is all just a fake out. This is Derek being Derek. Like, they didn't set up this, like, two-season arc and, like, all the stuff they're doing this season only for them to never put Brett and Casey together by the end of the season. I'd like this. That would be just terrible, and I would hate the show forever. Blah, 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 blah. But then part of me is like, well, we didn't think Monica was going anywhere. We didn't think Sophia was going to go anywhere. You know, like, we didn't think all these people were going to go anywhere, and then they left. And I don't know what to think anymore. I don't either. I don't like it. I don't know what to think anymore. I And it's this last bit of dialogue here when, when Chrissy's like, there's a reason Uncle Jake wanted you to open the box. And he's like, what reason? And she's like, that'll be for you to figure out. What, what, what are we setting up for? A plane ticket to Puerto Rico does not cost $80,000. Okay. Do you think, though, because there's been this debate going around the internet because it's the internet about who do you think they're referencing when it comes to Casey? Because clearly they're trying to make a reference here, right? About Casey's first love and yada, yada, yada. Do you think it's Hallie or do you think they're talking about Gabby? Uh, I don't, I, uh, the logical answer would be they're talking about Hallie, but I don't think they're talking about Hallie because I mean, he can't go see her. He can go to the cemetery. It's about it. Yeah, I don't think, I think, the, I mean, I clearly think, I, here's, I have two answers. I think if you want to get technical, they, then the answer would be Hallie. Because I do think, while Hallie may be a different love than Gabby, I mean, he and Hallie were together for like eight years. He clearly loved Hallie. Mm-hmm. 
but like we're trying to get to a point here in this whole storyline regarding the Brett. It's they're talking about Gabby. They've got to be. They've got to be. Like it's just. I think technically Hallie is Casey's first love, but that would make no sense with the storyline. So I think they have to be talking about Gabby. They've got to be. And plus, I mean, in the article with Derek, he said that he's got plans for the finale that are schedule dependent. I don't. Oh. I am so concerned. I mean, he's saying without saying that he's trying to get Monica back for the finale. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, but like, what's the what is the play? Does does she come back for closure? Does he go to Puerto Rico with her? What? What? I don't the think hell? he goes to Puerto Rico with her unless I'm not even gonna put it out there. I'm not putting it out there in the universe. I'm not doing it. Um, I don't think he goes to Puerto Rico with her. I'm not saying for all we know it could even be like yes he has to get Monica back, but like it could be the Skype conversation, right, or FaceTime conversation that we've been talking about probably wouldn't happen unless they brought her back yeah i don't know hopefully this is all a red herring and like getting monica back all it means is a conversation for them to have closure and her be like go be happy yeah i i mean and that's what my like deep down i'm like yeah but like i'm now on edge let's put it that way i'm not like giving up hope yet because i'm not and i won't until something actually happens but i'm on edge now let's put it that way yeah yeah i just I don't know. Like I said earlier, part of me as like a hardcore Bretzy person is like, they're not doing all, they didn't do all this work for it to like come apart like this. But I'm on edge now. But on the flip side, like we've learned our lesson because, you know, Gabby's exit was super like anticlimactic and now maybe we want to set one up for Casey that's like fitting. I, I don't, <laughs> don't, I don't, put it out don't put it out there. I don't even want to think of, regardless of the Bretzy stuff, right? Like, that I want that to happen. I can't even think about yet a show without Keith. I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going there. I'm not even, no, no, I can't do it. What is happening? I can't do it. Okay. I just. So Megan said, I'm glad that Matt was able to admit that he needed the wake up call. Looking forward to seeing where the whole situation goes. He need to fig- he needs to figure this out and get his head on straight. No pun intended. Uh, she also said the Casey siblings are back together again. So nice to see Christy after all these years. Hopefully she's the first step in bringing back old characters. Peter Mills next, perhaps, or maybe a guest appearance by Antonio in a crossover next season. I wouldn't even mind seeing someone like Newhouse or our girl Emily Foster again. The possibilities are endless. Yes, please. I'll take all of them. Yeah, all of them can come back. All, all of them. them. Yeah. Um, Jess said the storyline with Christy coming back was maybe a little anticlimactic. I, I don't know. I didn't really get the point to it. Like the story with the uncle and his long dead wife who he pined for. Well, was that supposed to allude to Matt still having feelings for Dawson? Thank you. But then it was about the first love who died. Would that not be more fitting for, say, Hallie? Is this supposed to be leading up to Matt realizing that it's more important for him to let go of those relationships? Or are they leading up to write Jesse off the show, especially with the return of his th- injury? I know a lot of the fandoms worried about that. And Jesse's contract is up for renewal, but I really hope this isn't where this is leading. Jesse has always talked about how much he's loved the show. He seems pretty settled in Chicago and both he and Karen sees Bretzy getting together by the end of the season on one Chicago day. And I'd like to think they wouldn't do that if Jesse was planning on leaving. Same. <laughs> I feel like we're all, we are all so traumatized by past exits and the one that happened that we'll get to. 
we are so traumatized that like we're reading into everything so we can be ahead of it this time and be like no you're not surprising us this time not this time yeah i mean because remember that time we got blindsided by not one not two but three major edicts on a friday fucking jesus yes yes i remember that i still have nightmares about it i don't but you know what i mean almost two years ago damn oh shit yeah i just i'm traumatized like that is the best word i'm traumatized and yeah like i agree with jess like i don't want to like they were just teasing it on one chicago day and i too i don't want to think they're not they would be teasing it if they knew he was gonna leave but like if he lied in that interview with nikia i'm never trusting another word out of anybody's mouth no yeah me either i'm gonna ask a question and be like really are you really is that really what you think that he was thinking in that moment yeah i just i've trust issues i big time and i mean even when when we saw the finale and we were like oh monica will be back and then like she left and then like the first time we fell for it was when sophia left because we were like oh she'll be back and then no she didn't come back and then like Mm -hmm. monica and annie and yeah it's happened a million times so this time we're like no we're getting ahead of this and if we're not getting ahead of it we're at least going to emotionally prepare ourselves for the worst Mm -hmm. i just i can't i can't we might need to operate on the rest of the season under the premise that Jesse Spencer is leaving. So that when he's not leaving, we're just like, phew. I need to see the next episode. And then I feel like we can maybe better make some, our minds up. I know. But like, I'm just stressed. I'm just stressed. I know. Anyway. Um, Allie said it was super cool to refer back to such an old storyline but it really feels like they're setting Casey up to leave especially with the watch that Chrissy had did was meant for him maybe he finds out that he can no longer be a firefighter given his worsened head trauma and decides to go to Puerto Rico to be with Gabby that's so logical I hate it (laughs) (laughs) I'm still holding out hope for Bretzy but it wouldn't it be an awful way to write him out but it wouldn't be an awful way to write him out just since Spencer decided to leave also Casey needs to see a fucking doctor yes yes but also hallie i don't want to think about that (laughs) oh my god i don't like this i hate this i hate it i hate i hate that this is what we're talking about tonight (laughs) i did not think this is what we're going to be talking about this week somewhere in la derek is just like sitting back doing his like maniacal villain laugh just going especially if he's listening i just yeah, he's like, they're right where I want them. This is perfect. I know. And that makes me even more mad at myself for, like, feeding into this, too. But this is where we are. We This is what we do. So, Emily says, honest question for the week. Is Jesse Spencer leaving? <laughs> <laughs> Number one, head injury possibly debilitating. Number two, double mentions of him moving out. Number three, oh, yeah, the double mentions of him moving out. Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> three the watch pointing to hanging on to his first love and number four Derek talking about a Monica return I hoped this episode was going to kick off a mental health arc but now I'm genuinely worried that it's the start of a send-off yes oh my god and the more I read this the more I'm like fuck 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 I know I know I'm like I'm trying to like keep calm but I guess I'm just not gonna be calm until May at this point oh my god okay anyway Joan said, do you guys think they're setting up for an exit for Casey? I don't think they'd write him off unless Jesse doesn't renew his contract, but are we being made to believe he could leave? Or are the writers gaslighting, trolling us? 
Lastly, Bretzy just needs to happen already. I love them, but it's being dragged along too much this season. It looks like there won't be a resolution until the end of the season, which will end with a cliffhanger. Yeah. So the, the writers would troll us. We know that. We know that they would troll us. Yes. I think the question is, would Jesse Spencer? And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm wanting to believe no. I would like to believe no. I would like to believe no, but. I know. Okay. Casey said, for the love of all that is holy, can Matt Casey please just go see a doctor and stop being so stubborn? Also, a fire captain falls from a moving vehicle and hits his head in the process and no one thinks twice about it? Seems off to me. I definitely think we'll see Sylvie check up on him in the next episode as it seems like she can already tell that something's wrong. I also hope this isn't the last we see of Christy. Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely not what I thought Christy was coming back for, Mm -hmm. but I did enjoy it. Yeah. But, like, definitely, I did not think that's what she was going to be called back for. Yeah. Um, off of what Casey said, our friend Ashley from Telltale, she messaged us in the middle of the episode and she was like, so Casey falls on the pavement, whams his head, nobody even like bats an eye. Okay. That's about right. So also, um, in our Facebook group earlier, Christine had made a comment. She said, okay, my biggest concern was that Casey went to the bank and back and then also to his sister's house. I'm assuming he was driving himself all these places. Like what the fuck? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Also a good point. I didn't even think of that, but yes, like Casey should not be driving all around by himself. No, no, no. Okay. Do you want to hear my horrible finale? What if that I just came up with? It's going to make me mad. I mean, yeah, I guess might as well. I'm already mad. (laughs) Okay. So like this concussion thing, it's untreated, whatever. What if it gets, it's going to get really bad. I'm going to say he's going to die. No, I'm not going to say he's going to die. No, but like, what if he's supposed to go to Puerto Rico and then he like has a seizure or something and and Gabby's like, why isn't he here? What the hell is going on? And then like everybody in Chicago is like, Matt's missing. Oh, that's not that bad. But like, I think that seems like more unrealistic, but okay, that wasn't that bad. I, I don't, or, or Matt has a seizure, but like Gabby comes back to like surprise him and like she opens the door and she's like, Matt! Mm. I don't think that's happening either. All I know is that in that article with Derek, Derek basically said that the finale is going to be, uh, it's going to be heavy. Did he say the finale or later this season? No, he said the finale. He said they're working up to a big finale. <sighs> I know. Derek. Finale, Derek. The, the Chicago Fire season finales are big, even when Derek doesn't say that. So when he's saying that, I'm just like, shit. It's like that meme from the Simpsons where he's like, I'm in danger. I'm not ready and then I'm, we're gonna have to time up our like annual Derek chat for this and I just I'm not ready I'm yep. not ready yep I'm not ready yep oh shit I'm not ready no not nope we're not okay we're not I'm I'm not okay right now we're not okay we're not okay I'm not okay right now so uh Bryna please take us through Gallo and Mackie and Ritter and everybody and yeah this oh should be God. funny but it's not funny no not at all okay so thanks to some sort of mix-up, Gallo, Ritter, and Mackie have to report for training at Firehouse 33. Oh, and, you know, Mouch, too, because he avoided this class for five years. So they pull up to this, like, TRA training. And who do they see? None other than our girl, Violet. 
Violet, she's back. I I missed her so much. And I didn't too. realize how much I missed her until I saw her. I know. Same. I love her. I love her. Um, but like Gallo, of course, right away, like sees her and he's like, oh shit. And Mackie's like, what? And he's like, that's my ex. And I'm like, <laughs> Gallo things. Just, just Gallo things. things. So as we find out, apparently TRA stands for Technical Rescue Awareness. And Mouch is there. Mouch is like the old geezer at this thing. And he's just like echoing everything the chief says. Um, and he like tries to show off during his like rope rescue. And the chief is like not really that impressed by it. So Gallo checks in with Mackie during their training. He's like, I hope this isn't weird for you. And she's like, it's not. We're casual. And he's like, she's like, is it weird for you? And Ritter answers for him. And he's like, definitely. <laughs> Daniel Kyrie's like comedic timing is so good. It's so good. So Vilo and Gallic apparently they do some like relay things, you know, with like loading bodies onto the um, chairs and like running around, whatever. And Vilo and Gallic get paired up against each other for the relay, and like literally with just that one scene, I was reminded of like why I love them so much. So competitive. I love them so much. So cute. I love them. So when Mackie gets her, you know, they all end up passing for the most part. Mackie goes to get her completion certificate and the chief offers her a job at 33 to learn from their PIC who's going to be retiring in the next year. Um, And, you know, it's a very like, it's a neighborhood predominantly with a lot of Spanish speakers and Mackie speaks Spanish. And so he's like, you know, I think you'd be a really great fit here. And she's like, well, I don't really know. She's like, can I think about it? And he's like, yeah, sure. So Match, though, does not get a completion certificate because he didn't actually complete the course. He was too busy showing off. So later on at Molly's, we see Mackie running the news by Cruz, and he thinks it's a great idea for her to go to 33. And she's like, yeah, you know, I wasn't really sure how I was going to be able to handle a, like, you know, kind of crazy house and I realized I could but like part of the problem about being at 51 is that like I can't concentrate when you're around um because she even says you know like you're my connection to Dex like if I lose you I lose that so like you know I love that she does the worrying for Chloe when they're on shift I know it's so sweet I know so then later on we see Bowden call Mouch into his office at the beginning of shift Give me one good reason why you couldn't just follow orders. I was with a bunch of 20-year-olds. Do you know how many times I get a chance to show off around here, to show the young crew what I can do? I'm never the hero, Chief. Haven't been for a long time. I got a little carried away, a little caught up that they were watching me, looking to learn from me should have seen them, Chief. Everyone impressed that a guy like me had something to show young firefighters like them. This kind of broke my heart, honestly. It did. It did. But, uh, yeah. It, it was... Poor Mouch. I mean, I I think sometimes when they harp on his age, it can get a little repetitive, but this time I was just like, oh, Mouch. Yeah. But also, like, when he said, I'm never the hero, I'm like, Ritter would beg to differ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, and so we see later on Bowden goes to like comfort match and he Bowden pulled strings so that match could actually get a certificate of completion after all. And he actually brings it up. He's like, you know, sometimes I see the way Ritter is like watching you and, you know, obviously like to Ritter, you are a hero. And Bowden even says, he's like, you're a hero every time you suit up in your bunker gear. It doesn't take some hijacking, doesn't take hijacking some class for younger firefighters for me to recognize it. I think this was like seasons overdue. Mouch really needed to hear this and he really needed to hear it from Bowden. Right. Because I was going to say, it's one thing to hear it from Ritter, but like, yeah, he definitely needed to hear it from someone who's more of a peer to him. Yeah. So, yeah. So Mackie ends up running her decision by Brett too. And Brett is nothing but thrilled, thrilled for her. She's like, oh my god who's gonna be the PIC and she tells him and she's like oh my god you're gonna love him he's great mm-hmm. um, and Brett's just like you'll doubt yourself forever if you don't jump on jump on an opportunity like this so it kind of ends with um, Gallo and Ritter walking out of the firehouse and they run into Violet and Gallo and Violet have some like flirty banter because of course and Violet shows up to 51 because apparently Bowden wants to talk to her so and yeah so this we went into pd and like all of us were kind of like perplexed right like i know i texted you in the middle i was like is adrian leaving like what are we doing here we go into pd and i'm seeing like there's tweets like coming in about fire and stuff and it turns out adrian ray is actually leaving the show crazy yeah it's sad i mean it's bittersweet it's so unexpected too. Like yeah. I was watching this and I was like, oh, so they're setting up because we had obviously seen the photos going around from filming of Hanako on set with them mm-hmm. and there was no Adrian. So I was like, oh, Adrian's going to be gone for a few episodes. Hanako's filling in. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Whatever. So I was like, oh, this is what they're setting up for, for Hanako to come in and, you know, be around for a few episodes. I was like, okay, cool. Whatever. But I didn't think that means she was actually leaving for good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was very, like, shocking. It was really shocking. Yeah. So um, there were a couple of articles that popped up after Fire aired. Like, in the middle of PD, which was, I was like, not now. Like, not now. I know. Uh, I feel like one Chicago articles, they should, I mean, I don't think it would be productive if they all dropped at once at the end of, like, all three shows. But also, it's hard to focus on... It was hard to focus yeah. on PD with that fire news going on. And I was like, I can't focus on the fire news right now because I've got to focus on PD. Right. But um, there were a couple of different articles that came out. One of them was one that Derek did with EW. And so he said, it's always fun to introduce a new character who brings in new dynamics to the show. And we had fun bringing Mackie to life, especially with her connection to Cruz. Um, and then he went on and he said, Adrian let us know that she had some private reasons to leave Chicago. To hear that as a showrunner, you absolutely respect what an actor needs. All I can say is we love her and I know she's going to be great on some other series. And she left 51 on great terms, so there's a chance we could check in on her. We're always looking for something to boost up a crossover. I don't think that's the last we've seen of Mackie in Firehouse 51. And just to echo that, I mean, you know, she had private reasons why she had to leave Chicago. We're going to respect what an actor needs. And we're going to do the same. We're going to respect that. We're not going to speculate. We're, we're going to say, Adrian, we are going to miss you to death. It was really fun having you for nine episodes. You're a sweetheart. Yeah, I'm so glad we got to have her on early yeah. this season, too. Because she's just, that was like so, such a fun conversation. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're, we're going to do the same. We're going to respect those reasons. We, we hope that all of you do the same as well. Um, 
you know, it's a crazy ass time out there. So, mm-hmm. you know, she had her reasons and we're going to respect that. And it was her decision. And, and, you know, Mackie got to go with, and with a, with a happy ending. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, go ahead. I think it was interesting too, that he, cause he, in like, so they were all kind of like one interview with EW, but it came out over the course of a few different like articles. Mm-hmm. And so when one of them, he was talking about, you know, cause obviously one of the things that, when Gianna is like making her decision, she says like, well, you know, Brett's going to be the PIC at 61 for a long time. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, at least if I go to 33, then I can kind of have a chance to move up. And Derek had something to say, he's like, you know, this gives us a chance to say like, here's a partner that Brett has had just for a few months when you think about it. And she had the opportunity to go to another house where she has a clear path for leadership. Brett is going to be the PIC on Ambo 61 for a long time, as opposed to playing this as a negative thing. We play it as this is absolutely the right thing to do for her career. We don't stand in the way of anyone's dreams. That's how we play it, which I kind of like. I like the positive vibe on that whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. And you even see it too with like Bowden being like, this is the happiest I've ever been to sign one of these like transfer forms or whatever, which I kind of love that too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But then he also... Because obviously, Mackie and Gallo, which we'll never get to see go any seri- more serious. Um, but obviously, that leaves the question of like, well, what happens with Gallo now? Mm-hmm. And so Derek talked a little bit about that, too. And he says, keeping Mackie and Gallo casual gave us the opportunity to bring back Violet, who was really great last year with Gallo. As writers, we always start to think how we can turn this into something intrigue- intriguing. Uh, Gallo, as he says, just isn't around. Just isn't himself around Violet. So we're going to play that up in the next few episodes. That's going to be good. Cause that's so true. Gallo just is not himself. Gallo just is like, he's giddy. I know. And honestly, before the Adrian news came out before it was kind of like official after those Violet scenes, like at the training, I was like, I think I do. I mean, I love Gianna and or I love Gianna and um, Gallo, but there's something about Violet and Gallo. I seeing the three of them in the same scene I was like don't make me choose I can't do this I can't do this I, I was see, like I think I was if I think I was gonna choose Violet and I I mean obviously I think Violet's really the only choice now but like there's just something about them I know I I yeah but I just yeah that, that's like usually on a triangle I can lean to one side or the other and be totally fine with it but this one I was like they are two wonderful fun like Yes, women. Definitely, definitely. I can't choose. But like, I'm really excited to see where Violet and Gallo go, though. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for that. So, and that is that is a silver lining. Like, yeah, we are losing Gianna, but we're getting Violet right back. I will say though, as much as I want Violet to be around for a while, like I want her to now be the series, right? Like, I don't need someone. I don't need her filling in for like the rest of the season and then us getting another new paramedic next season yeah just make her a regular like yeah stop making the second ambo spot like defense against the dark arts that's a harry potter reference right like i just like i'm so i just like i want someone that we like and is good with bread and you know like i just either keep hanako around or like i would have rather just had someone new and also come on the podcast hanako please 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 we can be best friends um (laughs) uh yeah so, yeah. Yeah. So we're sort of getting our wish. I mean, in the wish list, we said that we wanted Violet for 51. Yes, we are getting our wish, but just not in the way we wanted it. No, but you know, 
It is what it is. So Megan said, very sad to see Mackie go. Didn't see it coming, TBH. We just got her and I felt like we didn't know enough about her. Gonna miss her and her friendship with Cruz so much. At the same time, I'm curious to see how it's going to affect Gallo and where the Brett-Violet partnership is headed. Will Gallo and Violet renew their romance? I think those two are not going to be able to stay away from each other. I'm ready for sexy time part two. (laughs) (laughs) Cause like I need a redo of gym sex. I was going to say, is there, is the gym their spot? Like, you know how Burzik's spot is the locker room. And like, I think, I think the gym is like their spot. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I need redo of gym sex. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, Jess said Gianna's leaving. What the hell? It felt pretty abrupt with the way it was written, and the scenes with Cruz kind of lacked the emotional punch for me just because we've only seen them together for nine episodes, but that's not really anyone's fault. Um, All right, let's see. Clearly some things were happening behind the scenes, leaving Adrian to leave, which is unfortunate, but in Derek's interview, he seemed to imply everyone left on good terms, so I'm hoping it was just a matter of the show not being a good fit for Adrian and maybe nothing more. Mm-hmm. I liked Mackie well enough, but I never loved her as much as other people, so I'm not totally heartbroken to see her go, but it is sad, especially since she, Gallo, and Ritter had become such a good dynamic. But Violet seems to be coming into a place her, and she had a similar attitude, so I'm hoping she'll slot in nicely. Right, right. Also, I mean, again, we're not going to speculate, but if the show was not a right fit for Adrian, I mean, good for her for speaking up and, and rectifying that situation. How many times do we find ourselves in a situation we're not happy in and just stay in it? Yep. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Allie said, did Mackie just leave? I'm a little sad we didn't get to see her say goodbye to everyone, but I thought her exit was overall quite well written. It was really sweet how she mentioned that she found it hard to watch crews in dangerous situations, and she will no doubt kick ass at her new house. I just hope we get to see her again soon. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I will say, I wish we had gotten maybe, obviously, a little more Cruz and um, Mackie. Mm-hmm. Mackie, only because, too, with, like, Cruz and his baby coming along, and then, like, Mackie, I better, she better be around when that baby is born. That's all I'm saying. Oh, Aunt Gianna. Yeah. Um, Allie also said, I was very torn over Mallow versus Vilo. I don't know if I like that nickname. I, it flows the best. Vilo? Vilo? Yeah, Vilo. Vilo? Vilo? It's still not my favorite. I like Mallow better, but anyway. Um, I know with Mackie gone, Mallow is probably not going to be a thing anymore, and I'll really miss him, but I'm also super excited at the possibility of Violet joining 51. Just seeing her and Gallo interact briefly was hilarious, and they have amazing chemistry. They really do, though. They really do, yeah. And I'm, I am glad that we, we're, we're avoiding a triangle. I don't have to worry about a triangle. It's just that Gianna's gone, so now Violet is back, and I'm just Are like, you- okay, good glad, though, that we had at least, we got to see that, like, one night for a lot we didn't see the actual sex oh my god absolutely that little scene where like they're flirting and she's like oh i know how you get when i'm around and then like he turns her around and they're just like smiling the cutest it's just so sweet i'm glad that happened at least burn that moment in my brain okay it's adorable (laughs) yeah um okay so casey said i'm very sad and disappointed pointed that Mackie transferred to another house and Adrian is no longer on the show. I absolutely loved Adrian and her character. It seems unclear whether she decided to leave um, or that she was written off. Um, I hope the really hope the writers didn't write Mackie off to create a path for Gabby coming back as there have been rumors of that happening. I would be disappointed if that ends up being the case. I think 
the Gabby storylines just need to be put in the past and writing off an amazing character like Mackie just to bring Gabby back is foolish. I also think there needs to be a serious discussion about the revolving door of female paramedics on fire. I would like for them to finally cast someone and stick with them for longer than nine episodes. However, I am excited that it seems like Violet will be Sylvie's new partner. I always loved Gal and Violet's relationship and hope the writers will revisit that. Yeah. I hope Violet's around, like, sticks around. I love her. I do, too. Again, Hanako, come on the podcast, please. Please come on the podcast? Oh, my God, please? Yeah. Would love that. Would love that. But actually, though. Yes. Yes. Um, Zach said, this is a character that I've enjoyed since she was introduced in the season premiere. From then, I grew to love her and enjoyed seeing her in action in every call she and Brett went on. While it's great to know that she will be continuing her career in the CFD, it will be sad not seeing her at 51. She was a perfect fit and brought such an energy to the firehouse that was contagious and could be felt through the screen. I wish nothing but the best for Adrian Ray and will be excited to see where her career goes from here. Gianna Mackey forever. That's the other thing, too. I'm like, okay, well, wherever you go, Adrian, we're going to be watching. So, like, you're mm-hmm. stuck with us for life. Yep. Accurate. bittersweet though and so unexpected that's it was just like yeah Yeah. Eh. gut punch man that was a gut punch trust issues again we have trust issues Mm -hmm. yeah definitely definitely so okay moving into the stellar rides yes Mm -hmm. yes i i i love them um, I love that Stellar Ride was like the comedy storyline. They were like the B story this week. I know. Such a nice breath of fresh air. Yeah, big time. Okay, so Stella ordered something for the apartment and she won't tell Kelly what it is. Kelly's like, what did you get? Like, oh my God. And Stella's like, mm, it's kind of big, but like, I'm not telling you because you're going to reject the delivery. And Kelly's like flipping out. But first off, we also need to talk about this opening scene. It's like snowy, adorable, like Disney fairy tale style Stellar Ride. I just... I love it. I love art, it. Art. It like, was put art. that in the museum. Yeah. It. Picture yes. perfect. <laughs> Stellar Ride special coming to Disney Plus this summer. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So cute. So Severide pops into Casey's office and, you know, he's checking on him, whatever, from the head injury. But also he's like, what do you know about what Stella ordered for the apartment? And Casey's like, dude, I don't fucking know. Like, I, I have no idea. Kelly's like, I don't deal well with change. And like Stella knows that. And so Casey's like, but she's probably just like putting her stamp on the apartment. It's probably nothing. But he also mentions out, mentions, he's like, if it's time for me to move out, like it's fine. I can go. And Kelly's like, didn't I just say that I don't like change? Which like those two are so married, like more married than Kelly and Stella. I love them so much. They are starting to develop like a very Sam and Dean Winchester style relationship where they're like super codependent on each other. And I love it. Yeah. Like, honestly, the first thing I thought when I saw that, when I watched the scene, I was like, honestly, I'm so glad I decided to get them as my first two in Chicago Funkos because mm-hmm. this relationship is just like everything. It, it is. It is everything. It's, it's pretty fantastic. So good. It's they, so good. Yeah. They really are like each other's ride or dies. I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. So after the call where the guy falls off the delivery truck, Severide is still worried about the delivery. So he's like, Stella, like, what is it? And she's like, I'm still not telling you. And he's like, I don't want to be rescuing any more delivery men. So the delivery finally comes and it's like an arcade style shootout game. Like best present ever. I love it so much. So perfect. 
And he's like, well, why did you think I'd reject this? And he's, she's like, well, you'd like to keep the apartment all cool and sophisticated and adult. Like, it's just these two. So I, I went on Amazon after the episode because I was like, because I mean, my boyfriend and I are house hunting right now. And I was like, shootout game. Like, not a bad idea. They're actually relatively affordable because I was like, aren't those usually like thousands of dollars? Not so much. Not so much. No, they're like, arcade games actually like aren't that crazy. No, they're like $300, $400. Yeah. Yeah. We have some like pinball machines and things like that in our house. And it's just like, it's not, they're not that bad as people think they are. You know, we actually have the National Arcade Museum or the National Video Game Museum here in my part of Texas, which like, I've, really? I've always, yeah, I've always wanted to go, but like, you know, pandemic. Yeah. Well, when I come to visit eventually, we will go. We yeah. will go. We will go. Yep. It's also been a really great, it's in a crowded part of like one of the suburbs. And so, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, there's also a little sneak in here. Stella sneaks in a game day reference. I thought game day burned down. I did too. So they rebuilt it? Yeah, so that was my question because I tweeted it out. I was like, I caught that. Like, she said game day. So did they rebuild and they've just been, like, down the street ever since and we've never said anything about them? I, I guess. Or did they spring up in a new location? Don't know. I know. I know. know. We caught that. Yeah. Also caught, again, the second Casey moving out reference when at the end he says, well, maybe I'll be out of here sooner than you think. And like Severide like looks at Stella and I was like, oh my God. No. The only way I will accept that is if it means we're getting a Stellaride engagement. And Casey stays in Chicago. Yes. Well, yes. 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 But I'm just saying, he can get out of the apartment if it means we're getting a Stellarite engagement. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, best idea ever. I love it. I was thinking, I was like, maybe she got a Peloton or something. I was thinking it was going to be even something weirder, like some hippie something something that Kelly was going to be like, what the fuck? (laughs) No, No, pretty perfect. Pretty pretty perfect. Pretty darn perfect. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. So... Jess on this one, Jess said, Severi just quietly worrying about what Stella bought in the background of the entire episode was so funny, especially because Severi doesn't tend to be involved in the comedic storylines. And the basketball hoop was perfect. Stella, Severi, and Casey, it's one of my favorite platonic trios. So seeing them all hang out at the end was great. Was really good. Yeah, I love the Stella, Severi, Casey friendship. It's one of the reasons too, like when Stella's the one that was checking up on Casey after the call mm-hmm. when he first falls off, like, because Severi wasn't there. So right. of course, Stella, as the person who's dating his BFF, has to check up on him. Yeah, Stella's like the stand-in. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, just, I love it. I love it. I love it. That's It's very much the, the same dynamic of when it was Casey Dawson and Severide. Mm-hmm. How, like, Severide was always just, like, he, like, I, I always knew that Severide would never let anything happen to Gabby, and it was, the dynamic was always just like, okay, well, you're my best friend's girl, so I'm gonna protect you and care about you, too. It's very yeah. similar to it's that. like, the same way, yeah. Yeah. Just Severide's girl this time instead of Casey's. Yeah. 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 So loved it. Loved it. Love it. Last up, we've got Brett. This was cute. This, this was cute. Yeah. yeah this was um, cute. So Brett, of course, because Mackie's at training. So Brett gets stuck working with this floater named Diggins, who we've literally never met before. Never heard of him. Don't know this floater. So apparently Diggins is notoriously just kind of like a complainer. Um, you know, he'll, and he has a lot of temper issues, we'll put it that way. But yet, 
this time around, this shift particularly, he seems to be on his like best foot. So on that first call they get, Diggins like can't stop complimenting Brett about how she's the best paramedic ever. And, you know, everyone, every patient they get is in such good hands, yada, 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 yada. So they're at the hospital dropping off their patient and Brett just confronts Diggins. He's like about why his positive attitude. So apparently Diggins has applied to be a big buddy and needs a reference from work and no one will give him one. And so he asks Brett and she, of course, just ends up finally like agreeing. And every time it seems like Diggins is going to explode after this, Brett walks by. And so he just so happens to change his tune about what's going on. So Brett's leaving from shift and she gets stopped by Diggins to sign the form. And she's hesitant because she knows how quick Diggins is to have a temper. But once she learns that it's to adopt a cat and not be like a big brother to an actual kid, she's cool with it. And she agrees to sign the form. So and this whole thing kind of just wraps up really quickly with Diggins coming back next shift. And apparently he's not a cat person. And this cat, per- this cat is like such a villain um and so but since brett signed off on the adoption he hands the cat over to her (laughs) and i guess brett now has a cat brett has a cat but it doesn't matter it's not like we're gonna see it it's gonna be like will's dog oh right will's dog that he supposedly has might maybe he had one time for one episode yeah one time yep yeah yep yeah it is funny that even when, like, even when they had those scenes with, like, Hannah and Will, if they were at Will's place, like, we never saw Cole. Nope. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Any other notes about Brett? No. Keep Any other notes line. about fire? <sighs> Just made me want to pull my hair out. This was a stressful episode, and uh, fire is not usually stressful. I'm just stressed now. I'm going to just be stressed for the next two months. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. All right. Moving into PD. It's just not, it's very atypical for fire to be like the really, the really frustrating one and PD to be like not as frustrating. No, PD was pretty like calm for their standards. PD was good. It was really good. Yeah, really good. I was very not focused last night, A, because I was distracted by Adrian, and because you were live tweeting, so you couldn't be, I was distracted by Adrian, and then also my brother was, I was helping him with something, so I got distracted, mm-hmm. but when I rewatched it today, it's really good. Yeah, yeah, okay, so, so the episode opens, and Kevin and Adam are talking about revitalizing a neighborhood, so are they good now? Yes. Because, of course, things don't carry from one over to the next episode, over from one episode to the next. Adam seems a little uptight. Like, he seems a little tightly wound. A little bit, but, like, I think they're still okay. I mean, I hope so. I don't know. Like, some of Adam's remarks, I was like, stop, you're being a party pooper. Oh, my God. I think they're okay. I hope so. I don't, I don't know. So, yeah, Kevin's like, dude, I've got, like, a business guy I haven't in with. Like, th- look at this neighborhood. Think of it being so amazing. And Adam's like, mm, there's going to be rats and everything. Like, we can't fix this neighborhood. Okay. I Okay. I guess they're good. I hope they're good. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. So they get called to a hardware store robbery. And Kevin stays with the owner. Ruzik chases the shooter. But they basically get interrupted by a passing school bus. Um, 
But I also just wanted to take this moment to pause and say, Ruzik has been looking really good lately. Can we just like pause and appreciate that? Season eight is Ruzik's season, looks wise. I know. He's looking so good. Yeah, I know. Patty's looking real good. <laughs> okay. So Miller arrives at the crime scene, but it's not to talk about the case. She wants to put Andre Cooper in intelligence. Andre Cooper, of course, being the partner of the cop from last week, the um, Whelan, the that from that episode yeah so andre was his partner and Voight's not happy i want to talk about andre cooper you know young man whose partner shot and yeah i know he is kids having a rough time black cops are shunning him for not doing more the white cops are calling him out for not backing up his partner cooper was the valedictorian of his academy class i don't want this career to end before it starts i get that just don't know what you want me to do here Bring him into intelligence. So based on what Samantha's saying, it's basically to kind of salvage his career, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Too much potential, and she doesn't want it to get thrown down the drain. Yeah, he was the valedictorian in the academy, apparently. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's interesting. Uh, yeah, so it's just to kind of salvage his career, which, I mean, he, he's, he's, he's a baby cop, so I get it. I get it. But Voight's not crazy about it. I immediately, like, flash back to season one with Sumner. Do you, do you remember that from all the way back in the day? Mm-hmm. Because Voight hated her. Yeah, because he didn't pick her. And she just showed up one day and was like, I'm working in intelligence. And Hank's like, the fuck you are. Yeah, Voight hated her. Yeah. Uh, so I was a little nervous at first. I was like, I don't want this. I don't want it to go this way with Cooper. Like, but I think Voight kind of not Voight's like older and wiser right so instead of just immediately being like well fuck off he's like let me give this kid a chance to prove himself yeah so I don't know there was like the immediate Sumner vibes were a little scary but Andre when, when once Andre talks about it, he's like no he's like I this wasn't my decision like she brought me down here I'm sorry if this put you in a bad spot but Voight's like well what do you want and he's like I want to be in the game like in order to make an impact you have to be in the community and their motivations are very much the same. Mm-hmm. So that was an interesting parallel. I was like, okay, Voight gets this because, I mean, that's the exact same reason why he does what he does. Yeah. So, yeah, he gives him more of a chance. So Andre gives Hank a tip about the pizza place, and that leads us to Bob. Bob owns the pizza place. Bob leads us to Quincy. So... Upstead and Rusewater, they go to Quincy's house, but he's like, oh, my car, which, you know, was spotted before Ray's murder, was stolen. There's a weird moment here where Jay is like, hey, we just spotted a guy put a gun in a bag. Stay frosty. Huh? Jay. So they should not be saying things that millennials say. Okay, but I will say this. So so on, on Flashpoint, my Canadian cop show... There is an episode where they're in the, um, there's like a, the main arena where the, the Raptors play in Toronto. I can't remember the name of it, but um, there's a call like in that arena. Cause again, this is a Canadian show, but um, the main guy, Greg, he says, he like says over the radio, he's like, oh, stay frosty. And everybody stops and it's like, cause stay frosty is the distress signal. So Are what you I, about the Scotiabank arena? Is that where the Raptors play? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, I haven't been to Toronto since 2010, so that place has changed names like a bajillion times. To, I was going to say, yeah, it used to be called the Air Canada Center. but That's it, it yeah. But now it's called Scotiabank Arena. Yeah, that arena. Yeah, there's a call at Scotiabank Arena on that show. You really need to watch that show. This summer, maybe. 
You're not going to watch it this summer, though. It's just going to go to the bottom of your list. I know, but I'm not definitely going to watch it while other things are watching or airing right now. So You're never going to watch it. I'll get around to it. I know you won't, but okay. But <laughs> that, so, so in me, me being the person who loves cop shows and watches way too many of them, like I hear stay frosty and I'm like, Oh God, where's, where's the trouble? Where's the trouble? But it wasn't trouble. It was just Jay saying stay frosty and sounding like a weirdo doing it. Mm-hmm. That was funny. So basically the, the guy who, the guy who dumped the gun in the bag, Ruza catches him leaving and entered Damari. Why run? White cops skin me. Yeah, what color am I? Blue. This is dangerous. It's an interesting bit of dialogue when, you know, he's just like, well, what color am I? And he's like, blue, just as dangerous. Yeah. I heard that line. I was like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did get a little bit of a laugh. Like, poor Patty did a ton of running in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) And I just know he probably hated it. But uh, I love when Damari takes off and you hear Rizik just go, ugh. (laughs) Not again. Not like, again. Yeah. Um, but I will say, like, the lines like that, even though it's just, like, two little lines of dialogue, when they put these in throughout the episodes, I like that, I mean, not every ep- single episode needs to be about, you know, like, what last week was. Mm-hmm. Like, not every single episode needs to be that. But, like, when you have little lines of dialogue like this, and it continues the conversation and, you know, shows the realities of what the situation is with you know um like black people against you know cops and what that whole thing like i just i think it's interesting it is interesting and and re-watching this and hearing a lot of the dialogue on on a, like on paying more closer attention to it it got it made me realize that andre cooper cleveland Berto's character is going to bring a brand new perspective to this he's going to bring a fresh perspective and it's going to be it's going to be stuff we need to hear. It's going to be a perspective that is eye-opening to all of us. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited that he's here. Yeah, I am, I am too. We'll get to a little bit more of that too at the end. We will, but, but that, that yeah. line in particular, when he was like blue, just as bad, I was like, okay, well, what, what made Andre want to become a cop? Like that triggered in my mind. So it, it's going to be, it's going to be good having him around and, and getting to know him. So, so this guy, Damari, he is the way in with Quincy. And his little brother, basically they, intelligence is kind of telling Andre, like his little brother makes him vulnerable. Okay. Because Damari's little brother has a severe form of epilepsy and Damari is basically his main character or character, caretaker words. Uh, So I feel kind of bad in this scene because like, you know, they're, they're talking about how, you know, we're basically preying on on Damari and we're, we're looking at the fact that he takes care of his brother as a weakness. It's it, we're exploiting him. It's exactly what we're doing. And yeah. it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. No, I thought something similar too, but that is how they see it though. Because I, you know, I guess the, I don't know what word I'm looking for here, but I guess the, I'm not, I'm, I guess the, you know, people typically stereotype, that's what I'm looking for. I was like, it'll come to me if I just start blurbing. Um, the stereotype is that, you know, men aren't seen as strong if they come across, if they have to be the caretakers. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously that's not the case. I think that makes them stronger. But um, yeah, the fact that, that they use that as a vulnerability, I thought was interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it always bothers me how they treat the CIs because it, it's they just kind of look at them as expendable. Yeah, but to them, that's what they are. Like, they use the CIs to get what they need out of them, which is information. And if they happen to die in the process, it's just kind of like, well, that sucks. Yeah, and I think that's what Andre realizes at the end of this episode. They really put Andre to the ringer for his first episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So they they figure out, they're like, okay, well, Damari's our way in, so we need to set up a buy. And Burgess is like, well, they know all of you, but he's not going to want to buy from me, which is why they bring in Andre. Uh, so Andre's first time undercover, and he punches Jay. <laughs> so... Funny thing. So do you remember that tweet that was going around like pre the season beginning that was like the new Chicago PD season is going to have 15 episodes and which episode is Jay going to get shot? Please do that. <laughs> and I, I said in the group text episode nine and I was like, for sure, it's like enough time to recover, but not right off the bat either. Well, honestly, I, this, I realized that today that I had said episode nine and I was like, well, I guess I was wrong about Jay getting shot in episode nine, but like he did get punched. So I guess that's close enough. Like, I will take him getting punched any day. They can punch him in every episode if it means him not getting shot. Yeah, I just thought it, I was like, oh, well, I guess he got punched. So uh, close enough? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> and not only did okay so so jay got punched which like not the face come on dude but it also gave us an adorable upstead moment it was so cute because then she's like he got you good and he's like well i told him to make it look real but not that real and she goes should we take you to med and he's like <laughs> uh i love they're it they're so cute so there was a tweet going around uh from someone named z on twitter there was a tweet going around talking about how the face that Haley made in that moment that is her jay smile Yes, yes. I can't believe we didn't think of that sooner. She's got a smile that is specifically for Jay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Specifically for Jay, because it is just like, she is so happy. Yeah. And then you think about it too. You think about the moments, like I think about when, even though it was like a phone call, when she was gone last year and they were talking about like how much they miss each other and like the pizza and like that whole conversation. Like she had it there too. She's had it. She has it all. She has it a lot. <laughs> she had it in seven ten when she was in the hospital with him. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the J smile. It's just like it's just like she's so happy that like she can't contain it. Like her face is just like to its limits of like happiness. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love yeah. it. So they set Andre up before he goes to hang with Damari. They're setting him up up with his like undercover gear and everything. And we learn a little bit more about him. So. His mother has lung cancer. He takes care of her. Apparently he was on the golf team in high school. So yeah, I think because he went to some kind of like, I don't know if it was private school, but like a suburban school. Um, I didn't get the chance to look it up, but yeah, he went to, it was, it's a South side suburb that uh, yeah. Atwater had mentioned, but yeah. So uh, just a couple little, little things about him. So over at Damari's, they're about to set up the buy. They're about to basically get the information they need, but Theo has a seizure and you see just how green Andre is. Like, you just see how new he is in this moment because he's still he's still following his instincts, right? And his instinct when Theo has the seizure is to grab his phone and call an Ambo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Damari's like, are you crazy? There's product here. Like, what are you doing? So you just see kind of how new he is. Um, I also liked the scene the next day when Voight's like, you did really good work. And he's like, dude, I thought Theo was going to die. And Voight's like, no, we wouldn't have let that happen. Like, we would have stepped in. Don't worry. Yeah. 
yeah that was good so bob the pizza shop owner he turns up dead and i'm really only mentioning this because when upstead go to find him um there's just like like they find the body and jay's just like Haley, it's bob and there's just something so soft about the way jay says her name it's just like jay like Haley has a jay smile and then like jay's like super soft when he is with her too it's just adorable upstead just upstead i heart them i know i need more upset interaction i do yeah like a, I, like significant upset interaction we'll put it that way i need to find more fan fiction i and i've mostly been looking for marvel fan fiction because like hi but i need upset fan fiction too i've been living in bretzy fan fiction but i've not really gone into the upset fan fiction but i guess i kind of need to i can't believe you haven't shared any of this with me oh i i will Unfortunately, there is not really Mansell fan fiction out there. Otherwise, I'd probably be living there too. Um, I would be living there too. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, just in case you listeners have forgotten, send us all of your fan fiction, please. Yeah, I we'll have to do a part. Did we ever do a part, part two? two? No, we haven't done a part two. We'll have to maybe do one of those this summer. And if you're into Marvel like we are, please send your Marvel fan fiction too. Um, <laughs> I have never read Marvel fan fiction, so. I gotta send you the ones that I've been reading, like the Iron Dad ones. Oh my god, they're so sweet. Oh, see, I don't know if I, I, I don't know. It's I, Peter and Tony. It's, it's adorable. I know. I know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. There are some good angsty Bucky ones out there too. Oh God, I feel like we're already gonna get it with Winter Falcon and Winter Soldier starting tomorrow. Like, I'm so excited. Bring on the angst. I'm, I'm so ready. I can't but I'm also like terrified because, yeah, you know the title of the first episode. Haven't we suffered enough? Mm-hmm. but also is that like just a recurring theme through marvel it's like here's somebody you like now they're dead yeah I, I, I don't i don't like that yeah i just i'm hoping for more emphasis on the buddy cop and less on the grief because after wandavision i can't take any more like grief i yeah i wandavision was heavy it was heavy that shot of her with the map and like when she just like crumbles and like cries it creates the hex like that's a lot mm-hmm. i just i can't i can't i, I can't i can't welcome to meet anyway. us at marvel um <laughs> so the next day so they're, they're giving they're giving hank the update the next day about bob and the shooting and everything there and i'm just not even like jay is wearing his i'm getting shot today shirt i don't like it is don't it like really it. the same shirt from like all the different times? Well, no, it's not the same shirt. Obviously, if I, I, hopefully Jay threw that out when he was shot in seven hundred two. <laughs> but like, he wears like it's the solid color, like brown tannish button up. I'm like, don't, don't do that to me. Yeah, just... it makes me nervous. Okay, that shirt gives me anxiety. <laughs> brown tan, like brownish tannish button up shirts give me anxiety. Let's not, please. What yeah. So Andre tells Voight that Damari still wants to do a deal. So that's good. But he also really cares about what happens to Damari and Theo. What kind of deal are we talking? Depends on how helpful he is and how involved he was in the two murders. If he does time, what happens to Theo? DCFS will probably step in. So we take one criminal off the street and just create another? Not sure that's a victory. He's... He makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The thing that I love, too, I mean, obviously, I feel like it's going to change as Andre's around a little bit more, but I love Andre's heart. 
Yeah. Because it very much reminds me, too, of Atwater. Um, it, Atwater's heart. And I, I love Andre's heart. Yeah, very much so. And, I mean, you look at Atwater, you look at Kim, and it's proof that Andre can still stay that way. Mm-hmm. So, fingers crossed that, you know, the job doesn't jade him too much. Yeah. So, um, Andre meets up the next day with Damari, and they're ready to do the deal and everything. This time it's during the day. But he gets a text, and Theo has another seizure. And I didn't really realize until I watched it back, like, there, not that this was, I don't think there was, like, strategy here from, from Andre, but also I think there kind of was, because I think Andre knew, like, if they do the deal, Damari gets arrested, Damari can't go be with Theo. Mm-hmm. And then Theo wakes up from his seizure alone. Mm-hmm. So Andre kind of calls an audible, but Ruzewater is pissed. Oh my God. So pissed. Yeah. This job is hard. Especially when you're trying to do right. The more you care, it actually gets harder. So if this isn't something that you can do, if you don't think you can handle it, step aside. But either way, we got jobs to do and we got to get it done. My only problem with this is that Kevin is able to say this because this is not like if the roles are reversed, Kevin is in this. Kevin, no, everybody in intelligence reacts the same way. If 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 this is their CI, if they if they're under, they're going to react the same way. They're going to call the same audible. So for Kevin to be like, oh, we've got a job to do, like suck it up. No, nobody in intelligence has ever followed that logic ever. Yeah, that's a good point. But I still think even if it was anyone else in intelligence, somebody in intelligence is still going to be kind of PO'd. Well, yeah, yeah. But it's easy for, it's easy for Atwater to say what he says to Andre in that moment, because he's not, he's not seeing this from Andre's perspective. He's not under like Andre is. Yeah. Very good point. I thought it was a little harsh. But I, I don't know. I think they're trying to, I mean, tough love which is like a terrible excuse but like they're trying to see what Andre's actually made of and see if he actually fits in intelligence I think part of it see and I didn't even get that vibe that they were just like feeling him out I I, I got a I got a feeling that they were just like we don't want him here but we're just gonna like deal with it but do they not want him here or does Voight not want him here I mean it all, I think they, they follow really, they follow things lead do they though i mean in theory in theory i don't know i didn't get that vibe i got that like hank didn't necessarily want him there but like the others were kind of not necessarily cool with it but like testing him out yeah yeah i can see that i can see that so um brian take it from here okay so the last little bit so we see kevin is starting to doubt andre but they need andre to go back under and get a phone from damari so Damari gets a text and they have to go meet up with Quincy. And I mean, in this moment, we see like Ruzewater going from like bro TP to just like big brothers. How awesome was it? I, I was literally laughing when they were in the car and they were like, he's on his own. We told him not to travel. Didn't we just tell him not to travel? I was like, this is the cutest thing ever. Yeah. Uh, but also, of course, so now they have the phone, but like no phones are allowed. So Andre has to leave his phone in the car. And that's, like, part of the reason how they were tracking him. And, of course, just, of course. 
<laughs> um, so he goes to like get something out, you know, put it back, get something out of the car, and um, Andre is smart enough to hit the OnStar button, um, which I love too. I love that. That was so clever. Yeah, but they lose him. So the whole point is Andre's on his own because. Ruzik and Kevin were right behind him, but then a garbage truck like cut in front of them, and then they lost the connection, and it's just like all bad. So nobody has eyes on Andre at this point. So, like we said, Andre's looks screwed at first, but he's not because he's smart enough to hit the OnStar button so that they could track him down, like where he was, which was really smart. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even think about that. And then when they're in the car, they're like, we got a distress signal from this vehicle. And Ruzik's like, that's smart. That's smart. That's really smart. Like, he's like, that's our bolo. He's like, that's our bolo. Go, go, go. <laughs> um, but, and so they're meeting with Quincy. And Quincy doesn't believe Andre's story for a minute. He's like, he's a cop. He's totally a cop. Um, but, and of course, like, Damari defends him. Damari gets in front of Andre's body and is like, no, he's not. I trust him, whatever. And then all of a sudden, Rusewater shows up. Quincy shoots Damari, and yeah. Ugh, that made me sad. Yeah, and like, Andre is, you know, trying to stop the bleeding, because Damari got shot right in the chest. He's trying to stop the bleeding, and literally Damari's, like, last words are like, you're a cop. I mean, man. One episode in, and Andre got a crash course Mm-hmm. Crazy. So the last scene is Kevin talking to Andre in the locker room about just a lot of things happening in this chat. But like they're also they're talking about how criminals look like normal everyday humans and This ain't Batman, dog. Criminals don't wear masks. They don't act all crazy. Some of them are smart and charming. They take care of their mothers and their fathers and their uncles. And their little brothers too. You know, I get that. And I feel like we could have done better. I feel like we could have told tomorrow what was going on. Convinced him to cooperate. Could have took care of Theo. There's got to be a better way to do this without destroying innocent black lives. That's all I'm saying. And we had to throw Damari in the play to get justice for Roy Hill and Bob Hayes. Innocent black lives. It's not an easy answer to this problem. But us being here is a part of that solution. Uh, I mean... <sighs> I don't like how I don't like how the show frames it sometimes in that if somebody's a criminal, even if they're like an everyday human being, you know, like somebody who takes care of their mom, dad, brother, whatever, if they commit a crime, it, it almost implies that their life is not as important, that their life is worth less. I see what you're saying. To me, sometimes I see it, though, as you can be an everyday, you know, person, like somebody takes, you know, like caretaker or whatever, mm-hmm. and, like, make a bad mistake or do something bad. But, like, you still need to be able – you still need to be arrested or, you know, taken down, for lack of a better phrase, mm-hmm. 
in order for justice to then be sought after. Yeah. And however that ends up being turned out, if you just get arrested and you're in jail for 30 days, if you get, you know, in jail for a longer sentence, whatever. But like justice can't be served until that happens. Absolutely. And, 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 and I do completely understand what Atwater says that he's like, you know, we needed to, we needed to get justice for the families of the other two innocent black lives that were killed. And I mean, it just, it, it just highlights again that the system is broken. The system is broken. So broken. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 I will say though, I love this scene because I loved how refreshing it was. Like just the conversation they were having. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said earlier, like it is really nice to see Andre's perspective. And I'm really glad that we're not going to have to rely solely on Kevin anymore. Yes. And Kevin's perspective to tell these stories. Yeah. And it may not be in ways we agree with or whatever, but like, it'll be nice not to only see the issues of Black America through Kevin's eyes. Right. Right. And I think that's really important. So I'm really glad Andre is around. Yeah, because everybody has a different experience. Everybody brings a different perspective. And so I'm excited that there's another there's another person with stories that to share. There's there's another, you know, another character. So I, I'm excited. Um, are we to assume though that he is now Burgess's partner? Good question. I I would say yes. Interesting. That is interesting. I didn't even think of that. I literally just thought of it. Huh. What is their name? <laughs> Booper. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Uh, yeah. So it's just, yeah, it, it's, it's Chicago PD is just, they're doing a really good job of, of, of having the conversation, I think. Um, and again, we recognize we are two white women. We are not the right people to be, you know, commenting on this but we're we're learning we're doing the work and we're learning and so yeah i uh, i'm excited to see though where andre goes from here same same i'm excited to have him in intelligence and and i mean he's he's younger right it's exciting to get some new young blood in there Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, it'll be good any other notes on pd um no but you want to go through the listener comments real quick i didn't even see the listener comments oh my god i'm sorry um of course i just didn't scroll there was a gap and my bad yeah okay so megan said glad to see rusewater back together as friends again that fight only made their friendship stronger and i'm here for every moment between them from now on yep yep um ali said i would love to see outwater continue to mentor andre and i thought their conversation at the end was really insightful andre is still very fresh so he definitely has a different perspective to see at or do outwater on policing as a black cop which would be interesting to see Still wondering where Rojas is, though. I think we're at a point now we need to just start making up, like, where she is. Yeah, I know. She's in Cancun. I, I'm just making things up now. She won the lottery, and she... Moved to Mexico. Moved to Mexico. She's living on the beach. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, And Allie had a non-related episode note, but about pd she said pd hasn't had an asian character since i think julie tay back in season four right tay wasn't julie was in four tay was in four or was that three 
No, no it's not before. It was after Roman left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the new addition so far, and I think PD has a solid main cast, but next time they need a replacement or if they were to ever looking to expand, I'd love to see Intelligence take on an Asian character. As mm-hmm. someone who's Asian, I've noticed a big lack of re- Asian representation on TV, and I think there are a lot of important stories to be told on a show like PD, especially given the increased hate in, against the Asian community since the pand- pandemic plus recent events. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, if we're talking about PD and their diversity too, PD really needs an LGBTQ character. Like Billy. Uh-huh. Really needs it. Yep. They've never had, they've never had one. Nope. <sighs> anyway. Cooper's a good place to start. Oh, I, yeah. Not getting my hopes up on that, but yeah. Um, Jess said it was nice seeing Andre get a solid start in the unit and get it to show what he's made of. And I love seeing that conversation at the end between them. I think having two black men in the unit will add a lot of nuance to their conversations about police brutality. It will also mean that the weight of those episodes won't always fall on Kevin slash Royce now. Yep. Um, she also said, I'll keep collecting my upset crumbs, but hoping for a Haley or Jay-centric episode soon that might develop them a bit more. I'm not going to complain about the other characters' important storylines getting screen time, but I'd be lying if I didn't say that it's kind of bugging me that we've seen so little of them since they got together. I also really want to see Haley's father revisited since that feels like a storyline that's not finished. But if they revisit him, they're going to kill him. Yes. Yes. Why, why do the writers just like, why are they so murdery when it comes to the dads in this universe? Because we can't have nice things. We can't have nice things. Nope. Ah. Casey said, although PD has been heavy on the case only episodes lately, they continue to impress with their intriguing storylines. I will say this. They have been heavy on the case heavy episodes lately, but they haven't, they've been compelling cases. They haven't been the cases that make you gloss over. Yeah. True. Yeah. So she said, I believe Andre Cooper will be a great addition to the unit if he joins intelligence and it will give us a chance to see Atwater in a mentor role. That too. That's, we saw that in the last scene too. I was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Now we're seeing Atwater in a different light. This is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's exciting. Casey also said, can we please talk about the fact that Haley has a specific smile reserved just for Jay Halstead? She does. Mm-hmm. She does. It's flipping adorable and those two literally kill me with how perfect they are for each other. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, Zach said, Cleveland Burder did a great job with his portrayal of Andre Cooper. He brought some great moments throughout the episode, including how about how what they're doing to Demarius would end affecting end up affecting his brother Theo. He's bringing a different perspective as to how should police work how police work should be done. And after what happened at the end of the episode with Damari, it will be interesting to see if he will continue to feel that way, especially after what Atwater said. Excited to see more of Cooper and seeing how the rest of Intelligence will embrace him, especially after that punch he gave the Halston. Why'd you have to go for the face? Why'd you have to go there? Yeah. Um, last up, Geekazoid said, also, are Atwater and Ruzik planning to open their version of Molly's on Chicago PD? Will you change the name of the podcast to meet us at Kevin's? <laughs> um, we may have to. Um, we may have to. We may have to. We may have to. And then we'll get Larissa to do another intro for us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Meet us at Kevin's. I could do that. I could do that. Although there was that scene in the middle where um, Kevin's like, well, what did you think of that investment opportunity? And Adam was like, I don't like it. What, what, what are we doing? I don't know where we're going with this. What are we doing? Where, where are we going? Yeah. So um, I would pay good money to see Atwater and Ruzik open a bar together. See, I don't want them to open a bar just because of the, the Molly's. Of the Molly's. Yeah. 
I mean, they there's they couldn't open a restaurant. It's Ruzik and Atwater. Like they're not that. They can't do that. A food truck. I don't think they're sophisticated enough for that either. I don't think Ruzik cooks. I think Ruzik just like is takeout all the time. Yes, takeout and beer. I mean, they would open a pub. They would they would set out to open a restaurant and open a pub instead. But like the conflict. I know. I don't know. I don't like that. I don't know. Also, can we just like this goes back to fire for a hot second? But can we talk about Herman's like one-liner about how he's like, yeah, he's like, I think we should have like a Chicago Midnight to show at Molly's to show off, you know, to show yes. our support for you know all the like first you know the yeah yeah. Line. And Matt, she's like, oh, yeah, I think that's a great idea. You know, like normal discount drinks. And Herman's like, no. <laughs> it's just, I thought it was funny. He's like, yeah, we'll just show our appreciation. <laughs> yeah. And Matt's just like, okay. Okay. All right. That's funny. No, I did enjoy that. That was funny. That was funny. So any other notes on PD? No, I think that's it. It was a rough night in one Chicago. Yeah. I also hate that we don't have promos because... We're not getting I know. And I'm just like. <sighs> promos would have been nice. Yeah. Real nice. Yeah. So, but, but when we do get promos, we're going to be like freaking out. I'm going to be freaking the fuck out. <laughs> I'm not ready. I'm not ready to see Bruzik grieve his father. I don't think this ends well. I, I really don't see this ending any other way that is not Bob Bruzik dying. He's going to die. He's going to die. He's going to die. It's like Final Destination. Like, he escaped death, so it's got to come. He escaped death that one season, so now it's got to come back for him. Mm Mm-hmm. It's bad. Bad. He's going to die. He's going to die. Poor Ruzik is going to lose his mind. Like, he's going to unravel. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So. Um, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's me, this is Molly's right across the board. We've got a tea public store and it's awesome. You should go to it because we have awesome designs. We have squad goal shirts. You know, those shirts you always see for like your favorite shows and it's got like names and then another name. And yeah, we've got those for the one Chicago people. We've got them. We have to update the fire shirt again, don't we? There, there is a version that doesn't have Mackie. Okay. Okay. That doesn't have Foster or Matt, you know, like the in between. Yeah. It's a virgin. So. But I literally just updated it with Mackie too. Like last week. I know. Yeah, a few weeks ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, we have a T-Public story. You should go check it out because we've got awesome stuff. One of our listeners, Haley, she's been doing some designs for us and they are amazing. Haley's got incredible, incredible skills. So mm-hmm. go to the link in our socials. Go check out our T-Public page. It's awesome. If you would like to support the podcast for as little as $2 a week, please check the Patreon link in our socials and see if that is the right fit for you. There's so many cool parks. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. If you like the show, which we really hope you do, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We would so greatly appreciate that. Um, no new episodes next week. Uh, we've got a, an idea of what we want to cover, but we're not sure yet. So you'll hear it. Not like this? Season two? When Matt gets the head injury to begin with? Have we not done that? Uh, oh, yeah. We did kind of talk about that. We've never done that. No. No. So well, we're thinking that's what we'll do, but we don't know yet. So just keep your eye on our socials. And in the meantime, everybody have a good weekend and we will see you next week. Bye.